On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're getting tooled up and heading behind enemy lines with Luke Evans and Michael Hussman in Apple's Echo 3. And speaking of Luke Evans, the man himself joins us on the show this week to talk Special Forces action and strictly with Kay. I do not approve. Plus, we're discovering how badly Americans can set fire to a national treasure in the US version of the BBC sitcom Ghosts and discovering that every day is Wednesday when you're a member of the Adams Family with Tim Burton's series of the same name. And yes, before you ask, it does drop on Netflix midweek. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and a podcast that's having a bonza time this week. Yes, throw another shrimp on the barbie because Amazon Freebie has performed a rescue mission on Ramsey Street, salvaging the recently deceased neighbours and dragging it, kicking and screaming, back to life, letting Bouncer and the gang ride again. Because in a world in which The Expanse was not continued past season six, <laughs> leaving the broader story untold, and Carnival Row was also cancelled by Amazon recently, having its fairy wings ripped off, I think just last week. Uh, no, Amazon have instead decided that among all the prestige dramas that have been cancelled, <laughs> they should really invest money in prolonging Neighbours, which is absolutely fine. And Hunters. And Hunters. They've, they've announced today. They've refreshed. Hang on. Spoiler alert for news. Hunters with Al Pacino as two second season coming in January. I thought that was long dead. No, second season coming in January, but that's it again for that show. They oh. care less about Al Pacino than they do Neighbours. <laughs> Al Pacino yeah. cancelled. Al Pacino axed Joe neighbors. Mangle back yeah, from the dead. Exactly. Read Honestly, it and weep. it's the end times. Yeah. It really is. If you'd have said name a sorry, I'm riding roughshod over Do you. It. I haven't even introduced us Do yet. It. Yeah, let's go. But let's if you'd have said which channel or streaming service or whatever is going to revive Neighbours, who in a million years would have guessed Amazon Free D? Home of Bosch Legacy. Yeah, lest we no, anything goes at this stage. Yeah. Like nothing surprises me in terms of who's acquired what. It's like <laughs> it's just like hot seats, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone's sort of yeah. running around. I was genuinely uh, shocked and amazed after today. I just that announcement. I was more. I mean, when when did it end? Like last month? I don't know. And yeah, it was like a couple of months ago. There was yeah. like, exactly. There was a whole big palaver about it. There was a special night on Channel Five. They had like all those superstars yeah. that had been yeah. in it coming back, and now it's back. Yeah, it's, back. it's really yeah. like I, I feel know, betrayed. I, I, I don't I, feel any protests, but I feel like everyone was just like, "Yeah, all right." Now it's like, it's like Trump re-announcing he's he's going for presidency again. <laughs> this is like I was like, oh, I mean, not, "Really?" Not quite as evil, <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, at least this creates jobs. Yeah. As opposed to... <laughs> well, well, before we get too political, I should obviously say that bearing witness to this tragedy alongside me are, of course, my two co-hosts. You have already heard them. It is Pilot TV's Jim Robinson, Mr. Boyd Hilton, and Pilot's very own Helen Daniels. It's Beth Webb. Ooh. And you can tell how old I am by my neighbour's references there. Yes. Hey, I remember Classic. Classic period neighbours. Very vaguely remember Helen. Yeah. 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 Every time I would discuss neighbours, I always mention the same thing, which is I just vividly remember when Helen Daniels gets kidnapped and locked in a shed. (laughs) That's that. That's that's my most vivid neighbours' memory is Helen Daniels kidnapped and locked in a shed. I'm not sure if that actually happened or you just dreamt it. You think so? I'm sure it happened. I don't know about that. Maybe it did. I'm not sure. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, that's the thing that happened. But, 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 let's save the neighbours chat for, you know, never. <laughs> for and, uh, Yeah, for, for the inevitable spoiler special that we will do for neighbours. Um, what have we all been watching in the last seven days? Well, I, I am going to start this week with the show that you mentioned every single week, but it's now finishing this week. So I think it's appropriate to talk about Andor. Yes. Because we... Mm, oh, have you not seen the finale? No, no, but you haven't seen the finale, but did you watch this week's no, episode? Beth, no, it's almost no, like you no. don't record a TV uh, podcast. So which, like, sorry, which episode are you, have you up to? I've finished 10. 10. So you haven't seen 11, which all of our listeners, <laughs> while doing this, have watched. 
Should I just chop it out for a minute? I mean, I'm not going to have a go. I'm not right, gonna, we will avoid I'm not spoilers gonna spoil anyway, it. because not I everyone was, listening probably has seen it. I was going to say, you're not supposed to talk yeah. about spoilers You're anyway. right, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Yeah. In fact, the, the finale is embargoed for review. I think that means, like, you know, and that means you can... I can say, I thought it was brilliant, which I'm about to say. Uh, but... <laughs> Obviously, you can't do those recaps. That's what they no, mean. Yeah, but when yeah. they say embargo, don't they? I'm always like, you mean a recap and a review? I can say what I think of it. I can we? Is this as a game I think changer? So. Isn't I, it? I'm just making the rules up. Oh, right, yeah. uh, but surely they can't object to the fact that all I'm saying is that they the finale does not in any way let us down. Those right. of us, which I think is all of us in this yeah. room, who think that Andor has been one of the great surprise TV One uh, of the best shows of the year of without the year, One of the best shows yeah. of the year. I don't be on the year. I think it's... It's, oh my God. it's the best show ever made, says I, Beth. Wow. <laughs> she says two she episodes. She says, better than The Wire, out. says Beth Webb. <laughs> I, I think it is a pretty astonishing... In terms of like surprise hits, yeah. one in like recent years, yeah. I'm struggling to find yeah. one that's I mean, like, no, yeah. you been such be right. a pleasing Especially surprise. because you can count the fucks we gave about that show before no, it aired was, on one hand. I was on board as a Rogue One purist, mm. but... I like Rogue You're the one, are you? And I did think... I mean, I wasn't bland or like you. I think Cassian Andor is a sexy man. You were Standor. <laughs> um, I was a Fandor. Yes. Um, oh God. But no, I, I maintain that he was one of the one of the only sort of lead Star Wars characters who had like sex appeal and something like really kind of rogue and rogue one rogue and interesting <laughs> about him, and actually wanted to see more of his story. So I was I was like yeah. an original fan of this, but even I even oh. I didn't see this coming. Yeah. He's, he's definitely a hot guy. I mean, you know. Hang on, are we now judging Star Wars shows on whether or not Apparently. Beth would kick them no, out of bed? No, is that... it's weird because Harrison Ford is, is, is in, you know, he's like the pinnacle of, but yeah. like, he's I, like a Labrador. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. there's something a little bit like rogue. He's very likeable and yeah, but yeah. you're saying he's got is... spaniel quality. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I would agree with the, the the Rogue One doubters, and I really, I really enjoy Rogue One. I gave it's, it four stars. Triumph. Oh, oh, there you go. I, I my name you. is on the box. Oh, okay, good. oh great. Good. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Titanic amongst the stars. All I say is he, he was he was a, wasn't much of a character. They didn't give him much no. of interest to do apart from be that kind of character. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Whereas Harrison Ford, that Harrison's dialogue mm-hmm. in Star Wars is fantastic. Um, even you know, despite the fact that George Lucas was involved. Um, so, uh, so the, in every way, yeah, I agree. This is one of the great surprises of recent times. But the um, I did wonder, and in fact, I actually listened to the spoiler special that you oh, and yes. yeah were on with um, Sophie was on Sophie Petzl who Sophie Petzl brackets, came on, yes. was guested on my Arsenal podcast this week. So oh I've now we've crossed the Rubicon where Sophie is now like I've got the Arsenal <laughs> slash Pilot TV double going on with Sophie, which is brilliant. So Sophie's been on Arsenal yeah. Pilot Empire yeah. and yeah. the spoiler specials. Yeah, exactly. She basically works here now. She's a, she's yeah. a, she's an absolute. Yeah. You know the fact that she covers all the all the bases that I need to cover is fantastic, <laughs> and she's much more intelligent and interesting. Uh, I listened to the spoiler special. Why, why did I mention that? Oh yeah, because there's a moment where you guessed, you were asked to guess what you thought would happen in the final two episodes because you recorded that after seeing ten, didn't yeah. you? And it's quite interesting listening back. I was listening yeah. to it this morning. One of you kind of got it quite right. Helen basically got it pretty much mostly right. What she was going to happen? Right. Yeah, really she's, she's, what did she's, she say? Actually, you can't say. No, I, can't no, can't I cannot uh, say. Yeah. I literally, I'm not going to say. I can't remember. Just well, say Helen O'Hara was right. Yeah, Helen O'Hara was right. So all I'm going to say is, without, is that I thought it was an excellent ending. Really, did not let anyone down. Whether I can allow to say that or not, but just in general, the whole series. Um, what a phenomenal... And it just shows you, if you get super talented people, Tony Gilroy, mm. you know, he's a brilliant writer, and the directors they've got on board, fantastic array of mm. directors, Benjamin Caron, who directed episodes of The Crown, etc. Toby Haynes, who did a lot of Doctor Who. They just get really, really talented writers and directors. The most... That cast, I mean, fucking mm-hmm. hell. You know, 
I mean, every single one of those people, like, for example, I just I was going to mention Ben Bailey Smith, right? <laughs> ben Bailey Smith, a kind of fairly small role where Denise Goff, you know, earlier on in the series, kind of like manages to oust him. Yeah. And then he just, he, 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 uh, uh, but just like that small, all those little roles are played by really brilliant, mostly British character actors. Yeah. Well, Sophie talked about this on the spoiler when yes, she was she saying that she, yeah. she spoke to one of the directors. He was yeah. like, the casting is wild because they let yeah. us pick anyone we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and, it re- but the, and, and the main roles, I mean, they are just so brilliantly uh, cast. All, every single ca- main mm. character in this show yeah. is just phenomenal. I mean, my, but Stellan Skarsgård, <gasps> who I've loved yeah. since, particularly since Good Will Hunting, I think he is the, he's the reason Good Will Hunting is such a brilliant film for me. He's I, so phenomenal in that mm. film. And that soulfulness he's got which he brings to this role is just incredible. And yet, when he does the scenes where he's lying in the store in the shop, yeah. and he's all grinning madly, like he spends every <laughs> single moment of those scenes grinning insanely. That you do, and then as soon as he kind of goes back back behind the shop and kind of deals with all the spying and espionage and all that, and it's his real him. He's so fantastic. How beautifully does he articulate the spirit of rebellion? Yeah. Like when he's like, "I burn my life yeah. to create a dawn I know I will never see," and you're just like. Or a sunrise, I know. Either way, I can't remember what he says, but it, whatever it is, it's amazing. Incredible. And it got yeah. me. And Denise Goff, who also, as Love Helen her. mentioned, is a, is a th- big theatre star. I saw her opposite Russell Tovey, actually, in um, that epic seven, Angels in America oh, yeah, okay. at the National. And she was incredible. She spans that entire seven-hour play in tears, pretty much. Um, I feel every podcast to be honest. <laughs> exactly. She's like, identified. Um, and, and the fact that the reason she's in tears is because you know, the men in her life are just kind of really ignoring her Again, and doing things. Yeah, doing things <laughs> with a lack of respect. <laughs> so, Beth feels seen. Yeah. But just like, her, Denise Goff has this expression on her face when she's playing that character all the way through of like just anger pent up anger frustration it's she has big fuck the patriarchy she energy she really is inc- and then when the the guy the guy who's obsessed with her Kyle Soller's yeah, character Captain Incel he is that the whole thing is hilarious, I think, and 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 kind of fascinating. Those scenes, I'm going to go on about it a lot. I'll try and stop in a minute. But <laughs> I, I actually, my favourite scenes in the whole series, and there's the prison stuff is phenomenal. Mm. You know, it was a heist movie. It was a prison escape movie. Yeah. It's a political, you know, revolutionary kind of social comment movie. Yeah. But the meetings of the council members where they all, gather, they all gather the evil empire people. The ISB. That, the ISB. Those scenes are so brilliant. Yeah. Mm. Like, they're the best. Maester Kyburn holding oh, court. Yeah, all of, all of, all of, and that really is a collection of British yeah. legends, acting legends. Those yeah. But those meetings, they're so kind of fraught, aren't they, with like people's personal kind of issues and they're all kind of trying to outdo each other. I thought those scenes, they think those scenes are so fantastic. It's, it, they're like, the, they're like the council scenes in um, House of the Dragon, but better. Like, they even, better I mean, they are, yeah. Like, yeah. The thing is, what they've done, they've done the genius thing, is they've they've moved away from spectacle, and this is all about character. Yeah. It's just character it's got spectacle through and as well. through. I mean, it has, the, it has some spectacle, the spectacle action, at the end. Yeah, the the big action climaxes, which there are two really, um, are brilliantly. Yeah, they are, mm. but it's not, but the but the, that's not what this series is. In the same way, the House of the Dragon had great dragon action, but that's not why you went. No, you went for the character moments. It's the same thing with this, and I just think there's something to be said for stripped back stories and a focus on character, where you just want to spend time with these people. Has the word Jedi been used in the show? No, uh, barely, maybe no once. But, uh, I that's a very don't good remember. point because what also struck me watching the finale is uh, no, the Force, none of the Force is no, in it. The not force a lightsaber, and it makes nothing. a real difference. Yeah. Particularly, I think particularly not having the Force, and I, you know, I love Star Wars, and I, you know, it had a huge effect on me 
growing up, I just don't bang on bang on about it as much as James does. But um, <laughs> but there's something about not having the force as a thing mm. in it that really mm. makes it seem really sophisticated. And it's slightly it's going to sound slightly snobby in a way. But the force is a kind of like supernatural, quasi religious thing that always for me I was like I'm not really bothered about the force. Yeah. And this is like if you're not bothered about it, this is like brilliant stuff because yeah. it doesn't need to deal with all that well the force is like the fan service stuff and this is completely devoid of any no, iota yeah, of fan yeah. service which is like juxtaposed against obi-wan which is like oh god yeah it's, it's so yeah. it completely shits all over all those i mean the <laughs> mandalorian was lovely and fun but even and that feels done. slight and a bit trivial now that you've seen andor it does it? Yeah. i yeah. think it's a different it's, it is considering different. it's all under one banner it is a different it's like a, it's more of a, an accessible cutesy in many ways kind of yeah. lone wolf and cub type thing this is this is like yeah. you said, espionage is, is anti-capitalism, mm. which is just wild. The politics are so yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much pro-violent revolution. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's a rage against the machine. It's extraordinary. And the final thing I'm going to say, but stop banging on about Welcome it. to the Pilot TV and or podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is the production design. The design mm. of the prison. Oh my, yeah. God. oh my God. It's so brilliantly thought through. Is it weird I want that uniform? The prison uniform. Loved it. The floor thing. Yeah, the red All of lights, it. the, the, the On cubicles, the stuff they're making. It's just incredible. And it reminded me of the best show of the year, the Apple TV show, you know, which is all set in the white. Severance. Severance, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of production design wise, but the well, prison it's, stuff. It's white and sparkling. Yeah, all the white and, and, and it's the thing. display of soft power, isn't it? There's no bars on any of the cells. Yeah. They're completely open. It's uh, all there very. There is a fucking yeah, live white floor. That's what I'm saying. Because you will literally fry on the floor. That is true. That is true. Good point. Funny enough. That's what they use in our office. Yeah. Uh, so all in all, as I'm going to uh, wrap up my Andor <laughs> spiel. It's, it's just been, it has been one of the great, yeah, yeah. one of the great well, shows of the year. If you want least. more Andor, there is at least two Andor spoiler specials. We did a recent one which gets all the way up yeah, to when episode are you do the last 10. One? And we're going to do a wrap up one for the final ones. We're hoping to get Tony Gilroy and a few other people huh? on as well. Excellent. So do subscribe to the Empire Spoiler Specials feed, empireonline.com slash spoiler specials. Mm-hmm. Uh, one PSA I will give you. This obviously goes out on... Monday, so it's going to be just before the finale of Andor. <gasps> Stay to the end of the credits of the final episode. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yes, um, yes. There yes. is a post-credit sting. And do you know what? I, I I completely did the accident. I left. I just left it running. Yeah. I was pootling around. Yeah, because none of the others like, oh, have had them. There's something else. Yeah, and the final one has one. Yeah. I think it's worth waiting. Can for. I just say, whoever gets to speak to Tony Gilroy, please do emphasize that uh, his film, his classic film, is the best film ever made. You know, um, can we get the name? Oh, yeah, we know that. Oh my god! I interviewed Tilda Swinton last year, and I asked for my such a good film. What did she say? Oh, I can't remember now. Something epic. That final scene. <gasps> Great yeah. film. Terrible title. No one has seen it, but it's brilliant. In the people, people, if you know, you know. You've, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I watched it again actually last Christmas. I watch it every. Mm. I watch it every few months. Literally, mm. I watch watch it every oh few my months. God. It's so beautiful. Yeah, the, it's got that kind of sharp thing going on. Actually, it kind of has got Apple TV look to it. it does actually? Real, yeah. yeah, slightly cool. Yeah, in terms of exactly. Its and he, color it's definitely George Clooney's best ever um, role yeah. for a start. So yeah. Um, I cannot stop going. I, I was going to mention another thing that I've seen as well. I haven't finished yet. Sorry, gonna, Beth. I was going to start on. talking about oh, yeah. Andor. That's just Andor. I mean, now the one other show I was going to mention is Jews Don't Count, which is a very important David Baddiel. documentary. Mm. David Baddiel. It's on Monday night as we go out tonight, uh, nine o'clock. And I went to the launch of it. It's fantastic. It's really interesting. It's really important to watch. And my main thing is not just Jews should watch it because we all, we if you're Jewish, you we all know what the issues are. And David Baddiel explores all the issues in a, in a kind of seventy five minute documentary. And he meets he talk mixed to 
David Schwimmer's in it, Sarah Silverman, Stephen Fry, Miriam Margulies, really interesting people he talks to. And and he talks to like normal Jewish people as well, not just very famous people. There's so much to cover, but he manages to cover all the main issues around um, anti-Semitism and the rise in anti-Semitism and why um, prejudice against Jewish people seems to be treated differently. To, but that's his kind of big thesis mm. to other prejudices against other people. And of course... What's happened recently with Kanye West and Dave oh, Chappelle Christ. on that Christ. fucking SNL monologue from hell is so interesting. It, like, it, you know, it, it's already been made. He couldn't include that. But in the Q&A afterwards, he talked about that, or the, the, the huge mm. issues with the Dave Chappelle thing. But that just shows you every time he either writes a book or, makes, or talks about this whole issue, more stuff comes out, more anti-Semitism comes out. And it is really painful. And one particular thing that I thought was brilliant about the documentary, which I was people should look out for is Miriam Margulies disagrees with David Baddiel about one crucial issue to do with Israel. And there's a whole thing about do Jewish people feel they bear any responsibility for what Israel does to the Palestinians? And David think, David's like, I'm not going to worry. Israel's nothing to do with me. It's like saying, you know, an Islamic country is something to do with a Muslim person here. Yeah. But Miriam Margulies' point is actually, if you're a really progressive Jewish person and you, you have you, those ties are there, you are tied to the Jewish state in some way, shape or form, even if it's just within your head. And that has to be addressed. So it's a really interesting discussion where they really disagree about it. And it's and it's I think it's the most difficult issue of all the issues about anti-Semitism to decide what is what you think about it. Um so yeah, it's brilliantly nuanced and with it, as nuanced as it can be with a 75 minute running time. He also apologizes to a ex-footballer called Jason Lee, who's a black guy who they he blacked up to, to play in sketches in fantasy football 25 years ago, fantasy football league when he did it with Badil and Skinner and they did and he, he blacked up as this guy oh and he's apologised ever, ever since for it. Well, in, certainly in recent years people point out on the internet when they look at David Badil complaining about it they go, well, yeah, but you did this racist thing and he's been dealing with that. He goes to see Jason Lee for the first time ever and to apologise in person and the way that happens is really interesting as well. That's really interesting. Jason Lee's like, yeah, you should have come and apologised years ago. You know? yeah. um, so it's just a really, it's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time as well as being something I'm interested in anyway yeah and there we go I finally <laughs> and that's and, and that's we are TV podcast 19 this minutes week. and 30 seconds into this week's podcast as we record day. let's round it up <laughs> no, let's round it I'm up not there. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to bend the rules slightly because I've not been on for a while but just to say that I last time I was on I was very excited about the Midnight Club and I finished the Midnight Club <laughs> And I was a bit disappointed. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to continue with it. I can't, no. I can't lie. Oh, no. It was such a... It, it hung in there for me until the final episode. And I did really... I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of big storytelling, like really great storytelling. You know, Guillermo del Toro, like world-building storytelling, all, all that kind of stuff that really draws you into the various different layers. And I was very on board with that. So, you know, every, every night they gather at midnight, one of them tells a story and, and the story you know, on top of all the haunting sort of going on around them and the fact they're all dying, you know, just regular stuff. They um, tell these stories and each are quite kind of symbolic about their psyche or stuff they're worried about or all kinds of things. And they manifest in really interesting, like really visually beautiful ways. And I was like a big fan of that. And then there's all the kind of usual Flanagan mystery kind of weaving through it. And you know, with his others, they're, they're like miniseries, aren't they? They don't really show any intent of kind of coming back. And so it's nice and, and wrapped up by the end. You feel really like rewarded. And this plays to sequel fever, like sequel syndrome. I don't know. I don't know what we call it. It was a bit shit because it's set up for the sequel, mm. is what I'm saying. So they started with these big questions. There's a really lovely character who, you know, they're, they're all terminally ill, like times are ticking. And one's getting quite close towards the end, especially. 
but you just don't get the answers you want because it's setting up more questions. I'm going to quote Flash. You remember Flash Forward? You remember Bloody yes, and yes, it just, I do. It got cancelled, but just like spent a whole final episode just setting up more questions than it did answers, and it was really annoying. So I was a bit disappointed by that. And then I started watching, and I, you say I'm the only one that watches this. I hope I'm wrong because I've started watching the third season of Mythic Quest this week. Oh yeah, no, a Mythic Quest. I think is it does pretty well. One actually. of like when people yeah. often ask this question, what are the best shows that none of you are watching? This is one of them. Yeah, but uh, I think people like I, I get this particularly in America, where yeah. I think the cast are more well known, aren't they? Yeah, Rob McElhenney, it's, it's genius. It's yeah. not for me, but it's genius. But I, I think it gets a lot of attention there, particularly. Yeah, it's like a very different. Workplace comedy. It's very, um, it's just the characters at this stage are very lived in. Poppy, the the kind of co-CEO or former CEO at this stage of the company that Rob McElhenney's character was um, heading. She's like comedy genius. Like just very, 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 very fucking funny. They deal with, because F. Murray Abraham didn't come back for the season and nobody knows why. And I mm. hope it's a scheduling thing and not because he was making oh, the white no, lotus what did you maybe do? that like, yeah that's what I'm hoping and that's what I'm sticking with <laughs> he was in Sicily couldn't make it because yeah, no. the, the, the statement that was given was we don't comment on personnel which mm. felt very uh, but they deal with that very sweetly regardless in the first episode that he's not in this season and then it just patters along it's lovely very funny very wickedly funny pace it's just nice to see Rob McElhenney Rob McElhenney? Is that, am I saying his name right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's nice seeing Rob McElhenney be really kind in his writing because mm. obviously Always Sunny, as James can absolutely attest, is a long-standing fan, um, uh-huh. knows that it's Always Sunny is incredibly like... The man has abs that go on for miles. I'll give him that. <laughs> yes, but they're also raging balance. Like, it is like just a, just a, just a symphony of balance in that show. Like, they're just so relentlessly terrible to each other to see that kind of kindness come out in his writing and, and the warmth and tenderness and seeing that other side of him is really lovely and you know it made me care a little bit about computer games which was uh, <laughs> see that's the only know? part of the show that I really do buy into like don't get me wrong I think it's great and I watched a couple of them I thought they were very good but you know what I'm like with comedy yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Of course, Rob McElhenney of Welcome to Wrexham fame. Yes. Indeed. Um, which someone reminded me recently on Twitter said, have you, have you got around to watching it? And I, had, I did watch the first episode ages ago and, mm. and loved it, but I will carry on watching more. Um, but that's that he, he's very he's massively likeable in that, of course. Oh, huge. Yeah. If you listen to the Always Sunny podcast, it is so funny listening to the three of them, him and, and Charlie Day and, oh my God, the other one, I forgot his name. Glenn Powell? No. <laughs> oh, she's lost it today. The the other guy, the guy that plays the other Dennis. Guy, yeah. yeah, them just chatting and you're just like, oh, they're just lovely, solid mates. Like, it's just, a, yeah. it's so funny given how horrible they are to each other in the show. Yeah. But yeah, he's lovely. Yeah. He's lovely. So that, my, that, that was my big ones. I wanted, I've, I just remembered something I wanted to ask because you mentioned something about how big is, you know, how how many people are watching Mythic Quest, for example. In the, in the, in the Spotted Special podcast, to go back to Andor for one second, yeah. you all talk about how no one's watching it. My yeah. question, how do you know? Yeah. Uh, there are Nielsen ratings. Are there? Yeah. Oh, so okay. to be fair, it's not that no one's watching it. There actually are people watching it. It's, it's relative, isn't it? So there are, there are very few people watching it compared to the other Star Wars shows. So it's done right. far worse than the other Star Wars shows. But then that, to a certain extent, is common sense because it has a narrower demographic than the yeah. other Star Wars shows. So it's not oh, rocket yeah. science. So I wouldn't say no one's watching it. But certainly it feels like... It, I mean... It doesn't have the cut through, I don't think, okay. um, uh, uh, that the other ones have. But, but then they are broader. They are naturally, they're much more normally Star Wars. So, 
I think that's the reason. So, but yes, you're right. right. I don't think it's doing terribly. In fact, someone did come into my timeline and well, say, "Well, looking... actually, if you look at the ratings, <laughs> yeah. it's doing fine." Yeah, I'm just looking um, at the, uh, the uh, here. It says, um, "And it was the most watched program across all platforms during the week of September 28th and third during the week of October 5th." I mean, that's not bad. It, third, might, have third, built, third, it might have built over time, yeah. or maybe you know, maybe I'm just talking absolute nonsense. <laughs> but I did look at because uh, they did release Nielsen ratings for it, and they were saying it's right. done worse than all the other Star Wars shows. But again, that's not a surprise. Yeah, that, it, so? I think that's different. I think I think yeah. it's done. I feel it's done well enough. You know. For, for what they might well, it's have getting second season anyway so it almost doesn't matter but mm. yeah. right, right. Isn't, it, isn't it just supposed to be two seasons yeah, just two seasons right. we're getting two regardless that so. makes it two of tw- I mean 12 episodes I know so it's actually a lot it's another complete- 12 hours of Star Wars right completely yeah. justified yeah. Um, 12 episodes sorry yes. to go back again. no no you make, you, you're fairly you know but I, I wonder whether it's just we're just assuming no one's watching it and you yeah, get the impression I don't, I don't know why the impression I had certainly early on when it started was that you, even like being on Twitter being on social media you didn't hear anyone watching it as it's that has changed significantly over time mm. like once we got to I think past episode 5 and episode 6 then there's been much more buzz around people talking yeah. about watching it so I do wonder whether people have flocked to it once they've realised oh my god this is really good it's a phenomenon Yeah. So it's funny isn't it because probably one of the main reasons why it's not getting annoyed is like the other Star Wars is because it is holding out and not relying on bringing back characters for fan service mm. in any way it's very much not I've, I thought at one point they might bring back a certain you know huge character and they don't and whereas all the others have in some way or haven't they they've all kind of tapped into yeah. Star yeah. Wars characters and lore much more than this does and I wonder if that's why people normal Star Wars normals are like, well, yeah, yeah. Normals the like, normies oh, I'm not going to bother with that thing it's, it's because Darth Vader's not going to be in it yeah. You know? yeah we'll see we'll see <laughs> well what have I been watching yes. I, I have I finished from I finished oh. season one of From. I got to the end of that. Dedicated. Yeah, I know. I, I, Which again, one was From? From was the one with, <laughs> with, the, with the lead character called Boyd, played by Harold Perrineau Jr. And yeah. he's the sheriff in that town where no one can leave and there are monsters that come out at night. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, so I've watched all of that. And I must admit, I got to the end and I had, and I apologise to the listener who's going to be grinding his teeth when I say this, I had Lost Syndrome. So I'm like, you are just making this up from one episode. <laughs> <laughs> to the next, aren't you? And I was just like, you get to the end of that first season, I was like, you don't know what you're doing. I don't believe for one second there is any plan for this show. That said, I did quite enjoy it. So it goes to some some unexpected. Is that that's mad a continuing places. show? That's, yeah, 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 they've got oh, a second right. season. Oh, right, yeah, okay. so we will find out a little okay. bit more. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll get bumped off the schedules in favour of neighbours, perhaps. But uh, you know, we'll wait and see. So I finished that. I have seen all the way up to the penultimate episode of The Walking Dead. We only have the finale left to go. And as this Still podcast going. goes out on Monday, it will have aired. Wow. So people will have seen the finale of The Walking Dead. So maybe I'll, I'll get to speak about that a bit next week once I've seen it. Mm. But I have not seen that one in advance, unfortunately, but very excited about it. I watched the first episode of season two of Warrior Nun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And I've had some... My timeline has a lot of Warrior Nun chat in it, to be honest. Like Some people saying, was it always this shit? And, <laughs> and other people saying it's a, it's a stone cold masterpiece. It's Buffy for our generation. Oh, like, I mean, no. And and no. And, that, and so I you know I almost feel like there's nothing I can say that's not going to upset someone. Except I did watch the first episode. And be like, right, okay, that was interesting. Not watching any more of this. And I I felt I had that little moment where I loved the first season of Warrior Nun because it was so unabashedly stupid. And I think we were in lockdown. And I think we were all a little bit. Who knows? But yeah. suffice to say, I watched this one. I was like, this this show is deranged on every level. Yeah, I warned you about that. Like, yeah, when it I, is. The Pope. Yeah, completely batshit. <laughs> evil Pope. Uh, I just, all of it, like Joaquin yeah, Almeida just is. like running around you the You can't Vatican. seriously think it's like good. I mean, no one. No, not no, you. I mean, the, no, the listeners, surely no. not. It's, I don't, I mean, it's, it's not. Matt. Uh, and, and although also that Alba Baptista, the warrior nun, hasn't she, she's dating Chris Evans, the, uh, 
Sexiest man alive, apparently. Oh, okay. So uh, there you go. But uh, yeah, so I won't Good be pressing on with Warrior Nun. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, what else have I seen? I have seen the first two episodes of Willow, which is embargoed, oh, yeah. and right. I can't talk about it, so I can't review it. But I will say, having been completely meh, don't care, because I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Willow film. I found it surprisingly entertaining. Is all I'm going to say there. Okay. So we'll get on, we'll get into Willow. I was going to say next week, but probably not. But uh, we will talk about Willow soon. Great. I have also seen. Okay, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say I've seen it. Let's say I have seen. Yeah, go. no, you definitely can't say it. The I know, first like, yeah. several episodes yeah. of the show I am most excited yeah. about next year. So I've not broken any embargoes because I've not said anything. But I'm just going to say I had the best week. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. A very early cuts of the show I am most excited about next year. And oh my God. So that's yeah, what's the what like not the Witcher thing. Can't, well, so but I can't I can't possibly oh, say. Well, boy. I, can't, I, can't, I can't possibly. What channel is it on? I can't I mean, possibly no, say that either. Do you know? How do you know? in Empire on the yeah. Empire desk. Is it for work? Oh, for what? For Empire feature wise? No, I, I think I, I can neither confirm oh, nor now. deny. I know it is now. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, <laughs> but uh, yes, it was it was a good ah, week for me. And the last thing I will mention, without being insufferably smug about things oh, that I've seen, I mean, that it's too late for that. <laughs> it can't be another embargo thing. Like it just can't. It's not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> I went back to Bad Sisters. So, oh, so which I've been meaning to do. That's nice. And I went in. I started watching Bad Sisters again. And I've realised why I stopped now. And it's not because it's bad at all. It's incredibly stressful viewing. I find it like it's it's quite. It gives me anxiety. Bad Sisters does because, and it's not even that they're trying to kill someone because that's already funny. It's that he is, and actually there's a, a question, we're going to get onto this from the post pack. He is absolutely, <laughs> without doubt, I think the worst character I've ever seen on television. And anytime he's on screen, I'm just possessed with the need to murder him, which obviously is the whole plot of the show. Yeah. But I find it so anxiety inducing mm. seeing him being mm. so controlling and aggressive and just awful. And I mean, fair play to, to Clay Bang for play, because he gives, I mean, no one, and I mean this in the best possible way, has given better bell end than Clay Bang does have you seen, in Bad Sisters. Let me just quickly ask you have you seen Rafe Spall in um, The English yet? Have I seen Rafe Spall You're in right The English? Episode four. No, I haven't got to that yet. Oh, does he give excellent bell end yeah, as well? He is phenomenal. Okay. But he's, the, okay. he's a close, it, it's between the two of them. Ooh. But you're right. But it does bring up the interesting question about the second season. What? How can they possibly, there's a huge. Clash bang shaped hole, isn't there? Yeah. In in carrying on this show, um, it's not a spoiler. He dies in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. thrilled that they're carrying on with it. Absolutely <laughs> delighted they're carrying direction. on with it. But unless they go down a really supernatural yeah. route, he comes which I doubt they will. Mm. What? Do, uh, so that's why I feel like they have to bring in another monstrous character because it's such a key part of the whole vibe of the show. Who knows? Who's to say? I've Who's to say? If I've... only one of us oh, had spent a long time chatting to Sharon Horgan and maybe could have asked that person. No, that question. was before it was announced there was going to be another series. You... But actually, I did ask her whether there could be, and she said, yes, of course there could okay. be, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah. good, good. Yeah, Just I... Not that I'm throwing your journalistic... Yeah, no, of course you are. <laughs> of course you would. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> hey, hey, well, I seem to recall, weren't you the one who like, like were hanging out with Jodie Whittaker the week that she announced she was yes. going to be Doctor Who and yes. like, mass- yes. managed to I not also, report she that? Reminded me, she reminded me of two instances where I... I I interviewed her and asked her jokingly years before she got the role whether no actually she'd already got the role whether she might be in Doctor Who one day and she comes like she went, she went red face and I completely had no concept that she and then about a year later I interviewed her about something and she was just she was pregnant and she was like you didn't realise I was pregnant and I was saying lots of things about the timing of the filming and everything and they were completely oblivious so I was like oh yeah I'm obliviousness yeah. is my middle name. Woodward and Bernstein have yeah, nothing on you boy absolutely <laughs> I have no n- nose for news whatsoever right Okay, well, that is what we've been watching at great length as we go into this podcast's third hour. Let's uh, let's 
Let's jump on with this week's guest. Uh, you will know, of course, Luke Evans as Dracula, as Gaston, as Owen Shaw in the Fast and Furious movies, and yes, as a contestant on that dancing show that Kay likes to talk about. But let's let's talk about the reason why he's with us this week, which is of course Echo Three, James, in which he plays. Sorry, yes. he's not a contestant on Strictly. Is he not? No, he's just he was on it and get singing a thing in a guest like a guest appearance. He's not. He's never been a contestant. <laughs> so, so he doesn't dance. No, he does not dance on Strictly. No, he went. He performed Bridge Over Trouble. I'm very Strictly. confused because. Strictly is, to the best of my knowledge, about dancing. Yes, but he, they have like guest appearances, they have singers coming on to perform it. He performed a song on it. Oh, so he sang? He sang. Did they dance he, while he sang? Did they uh, dance to his singing? I don't singing? think they even sang. Maybe they did, but he just basically sang Bridge Over Trouble Water from his new album. He's got an album out. But Luke, the idea that Luke Evans, I mean, Strictly has quite big stars, but not of the Luke Evans. I reckon level. he could throw shapes no, like a demon. He might do it in 20 years' time, you know, when the when the film rolls dry up or the, <laughs> or the Apple TV Plus rolls dry up, but he's not on Strictly. No. no. That's funny that you thought he was, though. Of that, course I did. That, yeah. that is, you can keep all this in. I'm, it's quite I'm funny. absolutely going to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he guest starred in Strictly. He came in and just plugged his new album. Yes, that's, that's not quite exactly, as exciting. Exactly. All right. Yeah. You've kind of given away the fact that they have yet to listen to Kay's interview with him. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, anyway, as I say, he's with here. He's with us this week. He's done Echo 3 for Apple. He plays the brother of a scientist who gets kidnapped by gorillas in Colombia uh, and who handily happens to be a Delta Force commando. So he sets out to get her back. Luke did hang out with Kay a couple of days ago and their dance or song or whatever you want to call it went a bit like this. Hi, Luke. Welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. How are you doing? I'm really good. Yeah, I'm great. I'm in New York City right now. Oh, nice. I bet I bet it's nice and like a crisp autumn day, unlike here in England. Yeah, you know, it's actually my favorite time of year in New York because it's not too cold. <clears throat> it's just uh, the leaves are changing on the trees. I'm looking over Central Park as we speak, and uh, it's cold. It's not it's not warm, but it's that nice kind of cold where New York can get bitterly cold, but not at the moment. I'm jealous, officially jealous. So, Luke, I was lucky enough to watch five episodes of Echo 3, and it's safe to say it's action-packed, it's gripping, it's complex. So I wondered if you could just describe the story and your character of Bambi in a nutshell. Yes, well, it's, quite, it's hard to describe this story <laughs> in a nutshell because it's so it's so sweeping and, 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 and moves so far. But basically, um, I play a character called Bambi, who is a special operative soldier, Delta Force soldier in the American Army, um, whose sister is um, is a scientific researcher, and she goes to the Colombian jungle to do research with her team, and they get um, kidnapped and held hostage. And um, she, we, we're, I'm her brother, and her husband is also one of my unit soldiers. We are uh, we are struggling to get help. She's not, she's, she's becoming a statistic and uh, we, there's a chance we may never find her if we leave it to other people. And so we take over the reins and we fly to Colombia, and we go looking for her. And uh, the story takes us through the whole of the country of Colombia, from the cities to the slums, to the, to the mountains, to the, to the islands, to the jungles. Um, it's a, desperate search for the person that we love. Absolutely. And your character, Bambi, first of all, why is he called, I was trying to figure out why he's called <laughs> Bambi. <laughs> is it because he has never been shot at? But his mother's alive, so I couldn't figure it out. Is it just a nickname? Ah, yes, yeah. It's a nickname, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's. We sort of answer the question in a sort of very s sweet way later on in, in, the, in, the, in the show. Um, He's just suffice to say he's had the he's had the nickname since he was a kid, but there's not really um, any 
specific reason as to why, apart from the fact that he's just, uh, he is the opposite of what Bambi stands for, which also happens a lot in Delta Force. They, they give each other nicknames and it just either describes you or it's the opposite of who you are. And so in a way, Bambi is the opposite of who he is because he is a, he's a military man. He is a highly trained specialist in his fields. He's a survivor and he is a protector um, and a fighter. Yeah, absolutely. And he always has a lot of responsibilities on his shoulders. So in childhood, it was his, mm. um, he had to look after his sister, Amber, right? Because his mother had addiction issues. And now he's kind yes. of given the uh, task from Amber to make sure her husband returns safely from the missions, which is a big ask and it's a lot of pressure. How does he cope with it? It is. Well, you know, it's, um, I don't think, you know, when Amber, you know, said to Bambi, bring him home. The, the the weight of that request is is enormous and almost impossible to guarantee and promise. Um, but you know, being the older brother and, and he he dotes on his sister and, and is so happy for her and her success and her happiness, you know, he says it and he tries his damnedest to um to to stand by that promise. But uh, you know, it, it's not it's not easy and he is he is paying the price for it and, and does pay the price for it in many ways. But, you know, love is deeper than anything. And, and uh, you know, he wants her to be happy. I have to say, Amber is a very understanding woman, considering that her brother and her husband both leave for a mission on her wedding night, right? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But, you know, this is this is a military life for you. You know, the, the, the wives and husbands of of military personnel all over the world deal with these kinds of situations all the time. You know, when you're deployed or you leave, you know, you go from your barracks onto a plane to some of the worst places in the world to protect those people and, and your country. So, you know, it is something that's um, universally felt by the military world and and families, military families. Um, But yeah, she is, you know, Bambi has been, he's been in the army since he was a teenager. He has spent his whole life, in that that institution um so she's been around that for a very long time um it's a really physical role now you're a fit guy anyway but how much training did you have to do for it because there are a lot of stunts i mean were you performing your own ones or did you have some help yeah um oh no we had incredible stunt teams and 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 special effects teams and people blowing things up all the time but i i have always loved that part of my job when i when i sign up to a role that requires a certain physical demand, I will do the work and the training so that I can do it myself as much as the insurance companies will let me. I also, you know, I, 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 I'm quite proud of myself when I actually can do the stunt myself because it's, it's not easy. It's, and also we do it like maybe 10 times, you know, so you've got to have, you've got to be accurate and stay fit and and supple and be able to hit a mark because there's going to be an explosion just behind you. You know, guns are being fired, things are being fired at you. So, you know, it's a, it's a choreograph, choreographed, um, very serious bit of choreography, which, you know, you need to be able to replicate several times, but I love all that stuff. And um, the training that came with it was, um, was really strict and really intense with um, Delta Force and Navy SEALs who, um, you know, took us to our paces way before we started actually shooting the movie. And then during the show as well, we, you know, 10 episodes mean you're learning things during the show as well. So, yeah. You're basically a soldier now, right? (laughs) Listen, I, I am, I'm not a soldier, but I certainly understand 
some of what they go through. And my appreciation and respect for them has gone through the roof. You said you enjoyed that part of your training. What was the most fun kind of physically demanding thing you had to do? Because, I mean, it's jam-packed, right, with lots of action scenes. Yeah. Well, there's um, there's a sequence that is in a, in, a, in the jungle and I'm on top of a mountain and there's uh, a planned um, ambush by the Colombian army and we it doesn't go to plan and I have to run down the mountain. I have to traverse this quarry cliff and um, and that was extraordinary. They put like um, squib um, explosions into the quarry wall. So as I was running, they were exploding behind me. I had earplugs in because I was shooting a rifle which had uh, a full load uh, blank bullets. So they make a huge amount of noise. So I was basically running, which felt like underwater because my ears were completely blocked. Uh, so once you, once they shout action, you hear nothing else until they shout cut and all the explosions have happened. That that was a lot of, that was a, really intense. Yeah, really intense. Something you'll never forget. Were there any, like cause you said about filming in the jungle, what were the, you know, I imagine that was an incredible experience. Were there any downsides? Was there lots of bites going on? What's happening? Um, yeah, there were, there were insects. I mean, there was a lot of insects, but, you know, it's not <laughs> like they, we were covered constantly in, uh, in, and bug spray. I mean, I basically, I bathed in bug spray three times a day just to cover myself. Um, we had scarves around our necks. We would be covered in, 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 in oils and dirt and stuff. But um, working down there was, um, was very challenging and, and extremely difficult to do what we were trying to do and achieve. But we did it. And, um, you know, what we have is, a, is, is an authentic backdrop of a part of Colombia, which really gets seen on camera. And we shot in, you know, in the depths of the jungle, um, you know, surrounded by lakes filled, filled with um, caiman crocodiles, um, you know, tarantulas falling from trees, um, snakes, black, giant black scorpions. Oh, I mean, wow. everything was would have to be checked prior to us entering the jungles areas where we were shooting because of the dangerous animals that were there. But yeah, I mean, it's all exciting stuff. You know, I, I love all that stuff. It makes me, uh, it definitely sets the heart rate at a good yeah. pace. <clears throat> you weren't scared of any of the the creatures then? Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want a giant black scorpion crawling over my leg while I'm in the while I'm in the undergrowth waiting for the cameras to roll. Um, no, I'm, I'm not a big fan of anything with more than two legs. But you know, it's part of the job, and the challenges are always different on every job. And this one was to you know keep going and uh, and uh, just you know get the job done. And you know, you, you feel like a sense of achievement when you actually get the get the shot and you can move on. Say goodbye to the snakes and, and scorpions. How long were you shooting in Colombia for? And how good was your Spanish as well? <laughs> well, we shot. We 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 moved there in June of last year, and we left in January. So late January, so quite a long time. Um, and um, it was yeah, it was it was it was it was amazing. We moved all over the country. I mean, I could literally be a tour guide for that country now. I know so much <laughs> about it. Um, and my Spanish, it was getting better. I mean, I've been learning Spanish. I started Spanish lessons when, in COVID lockdown. Um, and then it stopped because I moved to Australia to do a shoot a TV show there. And, but my Spanish, I've got a little, I've got a very good pronunciation. I, I'm good at like understanding the, the, the sentence and, and, and speaking it in the, with the correct, um, pronunciation. So that helped. My partner is also Spanish. So, um, I got a lot of private coaching. <laughs> <laughs> That'll always help. <laughs> so what was it like working with Bradley Whitford? Because obviously he's a legend and he crops up uh, in this. 
Yeah, he's wonderful. I mean, we only, I only shot with him during the, the, the first episode. Um, but yeah, a wonderful guy. A wonderful guy. Came and said hi at one time, one, one day. Um, and it's always... It's always lovely to meet people who you have an immense amount of respect for. His his body of work is just so incredible. And he's just, he's so natural on camera. Um, it was wonderful to watch. And I think he enjoyed his character very much. I think he, he was having fun playing uh, um, Prince's dad. Yeah, and exactly. And you've got a really great cast as well, because Prince, played by Mika, like, how was that filming with him? Because you, you form a duo as you say, going out mm. to save Amber. Yeah, well, Mikhail and I, we, we were in training together before we started shooting. We we did some incredible and weird and demanding physical things in training, which was really fun, but we, we created a bond very quickly. Mikhail is, an, is a consummate gentleman. He's a very positive energy. He's very kind. He's very generous with, uh, as an actor. And um, we we had a lovely time. We really did. And, you know, we were like, we were brothers. We were brothers the whole time. And we kept each other going. We were all away from our families. And, you know, they would come and visit us for a few days. But, you know, primarily we were just the two of us in the jungle. And 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 so we we, we created a strong bond. And um, we, we we propped each other up on days when we were exhausted. And But it was a journey we went on together. I, it was very weird when we said goodbye. We were texting each other almost every day because we missed each other because we'd seen so much of each other. And all of a sudden we were torn apart and... Our lives took us in different directions. So it's actually been nice to be back in New York and hang out. You've just obviously been filming this and now promoting it, which we're very excited about. But when you're not jumping out of planes, I just quickly want to finish by asking you about your singing, because I was excited to see you on TV giving a performance of A Bridge Over Troubled Water on my personal favourite show, Strictly. I just wanted to find ah. out how that, how was that, Luke? Was it exciting to be on the infamous dance floor? Oh, room? my God. It was, well, you know, I've been lucky enough to do it twice. And the first time was so magical and, and beautiful. Um, this was my first album in 2019. I thought, it's never going to match that. It's never going to be as good as the first time. But do you know what? It was awesome. It was <laughs> It was just the dancers in front of me, their choreography just matched my singing. And it was just, you know, the whole package was just a really wonderful experience. And then I, I was very happy to be on the show and get to sing one of my favorite songs. And yeah, it was, it was magical. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh yeah. It looked absolutely, I think Nadja and Kai did an amazing job as well. The whole thing was, as you say, magical. They did. So. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And they're such a lovely couple. They're so nice. They were so gracious to me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Luke. We look forward to both Echo 3 and 4, watching in full and also your album. So good luck with it all. Thank you so much. Take care. Right. We are back and it is time for The Post Bag. We've already run very long. We've got quite a few letters this week. Oh, so we'll get through as many as we can before one of us dies. You're not dies. going out tonight, are you? No. I've got, I've got work to, to do. To be fair, oh, well, at well, least I mean, one of these you know. letters at, at one point did ask for proof of life on you, Beth. They were like, they were like what have you done with Beth? Where have you hidden the body? So consider this podcast proof Hello. of life. Um, proof of our life. Our first question comes from HF, and it is... Hats off to all of you. You make every Monday a joy. I started listening to you in 2018 and at that time watched about 15 to 20 new shows a year. This year I'm on course for 150, so thank you for the inspiration. Oh my lord. Yeah. See, you understand that Beth has a real issue with dirty streamers, so she might be around at your house. 
However, however, HF also says on that note, with so many shows and platforms fighting for people's attention, now surely sooner rather than later, one is going to be fold. Who do we think it will be? The easy money would be on HBO Max with the shit show that is Warner Discovery running it. I'm just quoting a reader. Yeah, that's not me. That, this um, is their words, not, not yeah, ours. Yeah, their words, not ours. Uh, but they're unsure. I see. I don't know. Aren't they consolidating sound... that anyway? With isn't it going to be HBO Discovery or something? Am I? Am I? I you, it could I'm be. I don't. I might pull that track. I can't keep track. I don't know. I could call the death knell for any of them because you could argue that you know they've all got rather deep pockets. So yeah, I I don't know. I don't know that. I, were I a betting man, I don't think I'd put money on any of them going anywhere anytime soon. Right. You know, I 100% would have been down to the bookies the second Queeby launched and been like, that will not last six months because obviously yeah. it wouldn't. Yeah. So I don't know. No. Oh, I'll just read, look, I'm reading this. Will HBO Max and Discovery Plus become one service? While we may eventually combine Discovery Plus and HBO Max, we're in the early stages of this new adventure. This is from the official no, website. Um, and there'll be no changes to Discovery Plus content subscription, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I, I think one day, I just assume one day Apple might buy one, acquire one of the others. And, what, like, they'll, they'll buy one? Yeah. yeah. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like it's the kind of thing they might do, yeah. Like, if, if for example, I mean, remembering, like, I mean, Netflix, for example, still uh, is barely making money, you know, they've had to, they're cutting down a bit on their originations and, you know, they have, they definitely have issues and they're, they're doing the new price, they have to, there'll be mm. ads, there'll be an ad-based version of the service coming soon. So, if things carry on not going all that smoothly somewhere like Netflix, then Apple could buy it easily and, mm. and, and you know, just absorb it or absorb their huge library. Because the one thing Apple doesn't have, Apple TV Plus, is a massive library of its own. Yeah, um, that's true. So, yeah, I could see that happening. Okay, okay. Uh, we have a question, uh, not a question, more of a comment from Dion Evans, who says, Hey team, just wanted to drop into the mailbag and say thank you for always being a great pod. I have found some great TV shows through this podcast, like White Lotus, Gangs of London, and The Bear. It's always a joy to see Pilot pop on my podcast feed. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Dion. That's very, very nice. Oh, that's lovely. George says... I think you're a bit harsh on Mosquito Coast. I enjoyed the first season and season two is out now. It's not going to be any one show of the year, but it feels like a 90s film you'd rent from Blockbuster and enjoy. Which, to be fair, is fair comment. It's not terrible. But then did we did we say it was terrible? I don't no, think we said it was I, terrible. I remember, I really liked the uh, first episode, the first couple of episodes of the first season. I think it just felt, I was surprised. I think I was surprised that there was a second season because it was like 10 hours, I think, the first season. <laughs> yeah. From a book that, you know, was pretty much covered by that. So, I mean, but yeah, I, I'm, I actually honestly need to, I, I would happily watch the second season when I have time yeah. because I did, there were lots of, I read, lots of things about it I really liked, I have to say. I think it's just one of these things where, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, it's really perfectly good show, but perfectly good isn't enough these days with our schedules being what they are and with the amount of shows coming out that it just didn't have that thing where you watched a couple of, and I was like I just don't feel the need yeah I agree with that I didn't feel the to need to sacrifice either. something yeah. else to watch that's this that's true I love Justin Theroux though I mean I absolutely so I really should mm. watch it he's, he's a legend I love him you know Yeah, him and his dog Cooper I think Cooper 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 I, Co I couldn't Justin, name his dog Justin I'm sorry his dog has got his own Instagram account and I Does it? I, 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 I recommend it to everyone. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's fantastic. Cooper. All right. Yeah. 
Right, there's a message here from Vic, and Vic says, Thank you all for podding. I look forward to it each week. Uh, I remain convinced that at one point during lockdown, I heard more of James's voice than literally anyone else with oh, Empire Spoiler Specials and Pilot. I'm so sorry, Vic. I'm so sorry. Brand new information. <laughs> Anywho, I have been re-watching Cracker recently because although I knew I used to watch and love it, I couldn't remember a single episode. It's clearly brilliant and would stand up to any cop drama today. Absolutely true. But I was wondering about Robert Carlyle, and I remember him exploding in the cinema as Begbie, but what Watching him go head to toe with Robbie Coltrane, I wonder who you picked for great things but never made it. Uh, all the best, love to Risky, Vic. Oh, Risky sends love back. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit harsh about Robert Carlyle. He's had a very successful. He has. He has. Career, career, he, did, he did make it. Say. He did make it. I think he has had a very successful um, career. That said, he is outstanding in To Be a Somebody, which is the episode of Cracker that you do see him oh, yeah, murder the amazing. hell out of Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Cobra is his, 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 that's, you know, he's been in like, what, two, three series of that on Sky recently? So he's, he's, I think he's never like, not... speaking of shows, I didn't feel the need to continue with. That was a fun show. I know, I know, I know. Um, he was in The War of the Worlds. He's been in loads. He's, he's never like, not worked, as far as I can make out. I think there's a slight, um, I would say there's a slight quality control issue. I'm looking down his CV here. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, I will not have a word said against Stargate Infinite. Right, no, indeed, yes. Was yes. it Infinite? Uh, was it Universe? Stargate Universe? It might be Stargate Universe. Sorry. I think Infinite might be the animated one. Stargate I know, Universe. I don't know why I'm still talking. None of you watch it's any of the Stargate. Stargate so. Universe, in which she was in 40 count them episodes. Yeah, and someone wow. pointed out actually a while back that uh, the last season of My Beloved Sea was a reunion of two of the cast members of Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> because, of course, Jason Momoa was in it and that other bloke whose name I forgot. you say so. Yeah, but uh, okay. yeah, Stargate Atlantis. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know people who I thought would be massive and who didn't make it. That's one of oh, those. That's the question. Was yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that question. So, who do you think was going to be massive and didn't make it? Oh, God, that's that's quite quite depressing. Yeah. <laughs> topic, it's depressing. It? We haven't had time to research it. So, I'm sorry, we don't have an answer yeah. for you, but thank you for your message. I'm just defending Robert Carlyle. Yeah, yeah. just defend Robert Carlyle. That's fine. Uh, Richard Norris, however, has a question for us. And he says, What silly little things take you out of a moment in a TV show? For me, it's empty coffee cups. Once you notice them, you can't stop seeing them. They're everywhere. TV shows are full of actors waving around clearly empty <laughs> cups with no weight to them and then pretending to drink from it. Yeah. it drives me mad. Why don't they just put water in them? That's a very good question. And the reason I, I like this question is because I had this exact same thought earlier this week and I can't even remember what show I was watching. But this person was sipping every couple of moments. Just, and I was yeah. like, that is clearly an empty Starbucks cup. What are you doing? Yeah. For me, it's phone screens. When somebody makes a call and there's anything other than the call screen on the phone, <laughs> that's something that I always, it always takes me out. And then a weird sensory thing that I have, when people brush their teeth in TV shows, I get goosebumps. I get a very weird chill and goosebumps when people are going wow. even thinking about it now I now, can feel the hair is it, on my is it, is it the manual brushes that get you is it the electric ones and if Doesn't so matter. is it the oscillating heads or the sonic ones it's the I feel like I've actually said this on this podcast before I probably have um, I've aged I've aged so much yeah, um, I do that the, to people <laughs> but it's the like the the thought of the, the bristles and the toothpaste <laughs> on the teeth <laughs> moving around like, do you brush your own teeth? <laughs> this is important information. I have a robot arm that right. does it for me. Um, but that always Do you find it stressful to, to... I just notice myself having the reaction and it throws right. me out of That's whack. Yeah, it's so strange. I wonder but if now, anyone else has that. And funny, you should, I mean, it's, it's interesting because actually there are a hell of a lot of scenes of tooth, uh, brushing teeth in film and TV. Yeah. For some reason. It's one of, yeah, because yeah. you get a lot of scenes. Uh, in fact, it's a bit of a... There are tropes and cliches that a lot of films and TV start with people waking up 
you know, and and brushing their teeth and then, do you know what I mean? It's, it's a thing. I see, I always think it's it's couples, isn't it, with those his and hers sinks. Yeah, there's those. Who things. has his and hers there's, sinks? There's, there's, teeth, there's teeth brushing in um, in Andor. Carl Soller's character, I think, does brush teeth while his mum, oh my God, what a character, his demented mother, who's <laughs> constantly criticising him, is like annoying him while he's brushing his teeth. There's that, and there's another teeth brushing, another thing I've seen recently. So it is a common, it's a very common trope, if you like, to show, I guess, normal behaviour and you can judge things by the way people do it or something I don't know but it's an interesting point I'll tell you what takes me out of anything is bad wigs Oh Wiggy, yeah. yeah. Wiggy, Wiggy McWiggerson. Wiggy McWiggerson. <laughs> and it recently happened in The Crown of all shows. Oh, now, The it? Crown must have the biggest hair and makeup budget, you know, on TV. I mean, that mm. show, the amount of money they spend on that show, and yet there are in the recent series, in this fifth series, there are just a couple of characters whose wigs are absolutely diabolical. <laughs> One of them is Tony Blair. You know, Tony Blair arrives late on in it. I mean, his wig is terrible. I'm oh, sorry. Guys. And um, Shereen might even be a wig as well. They're, both of their hair looks ridiculous, I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they maybe they just done, did something with their hair and they're not even wigs. It's possible. But yeah, wigginess is a major issue for me. It really takes me out of it. And it's hard. It is hard to get particularly period hair. Like, you know, periods of like 70s, 80s period hair right. It's, it's a tough one, but they often don't get it right. <laughs> it's really annoying. <laughs> That's a really good point. What was the Lakers' Alan McCabe yes. show? Yes, Like, he is, he, like, that's a real, like, bugbear of mine with any of his things like terrible wigs on yeah, everybody in oh his so stuff annoying, yeah. so okay next question comes from Julia Carmen. this is a long one but I think a vital service mm. Julia says hello pilot I just listened to this week's pod and I feel compelled to mumsplain streaming service child controls to you all yeah. <laughs> well for the big three anyway when you set up a child account on Disney or Netflix you can set the age limit for that child and then they will only be able to see content of that age or below Prime doesn't have child accounts just a generic kids profile which is PG limited older kids have to have an adult profile on Prime but you can set up a pin for shows that are 15, 18, 12 what's not she said this is an absolute pain in the ass. yet another person who is not mm. in ABBA with Amazon's UI mm. uh, this is an absolute pain in the ass because all users have to put in the pin at the beginning of every episode even when they autoplay Disney has the best system because you only enter your pin once. She says rating levels can be a bit random. Andor is 12 while Mando was 14. Really? Andor really? is 12. Mando was That's 14. Insane. That's insane. Because Mando's for kids and Andor is very much that not. That is crazy. crazy. She says she talk. can't distinguish between them at all on the wow. interface. Prime took the bonkers decision to rate Lord of the Rings and the Rings of Power as a 12, except for just one episode, arguably the most important episode of the series, which was a 15. <laughs> this is wild. Not sure what they expected 12 to 14 year olds to do with that one. <laughs> Read the wiki page and find out what happened in the episode. Or did they assume they would have got bored by that point? In which case, why not rate the whole thing for 15. Uh, oh she says, anyway, God. I may have gone slightly off topic there. I hope that's useful info. Thanks as ever for the pod. That's incredible. <laughs> this is genuine news to me and yeah. that is deranged. Wow. Absolutely. You cannot, you cannot rate one episode of a TV show higher. Oof. Oh, nuts. Yeah, The Mandalorian TV 14, it says on IMDb. Oh my God. I mean, what even is that? And then if you look up... Um, yeah, this is mad. And or sorry, my my live looking up. Yes, it's it makes for scintillating yeah. podcasts. Isn't it? They're both TV fourteen according to IMDb. But what does that mean? I mean, yeah. what even Who is knows? TV fourteen? Yeah. Anyway, fascinating. That was fascinating. Next question comes from Jeffrey Carden. Jeffrey is the one who asked for Beth's proof of life. <laughs> I, hope, I hope we have provided <laughs> I that, am Jeffrey. Okay. <laughs> yes. My Beth impression has got really good. Uh, and Jeffrey says, I've been commiserating with your frustration with certain American shows' refusal to even give you a hint when or where they'll be appearing in the UK. 
interview with the vampire. Uh, as an American, I've been waiting for the Lazarus Project to reach our stores for an absurd amount oh. of time after your recommendations. Uh, my question is, why? With only like five mega corporations controlling all English-speaking media, should they have, arra- <laughs> shouldn't they have arrangements by now that let us reliably predict what belongs where? Why all this drama and mystery? Boyd, as someone who is, as TV's Boyd Hilton, as someone on the inside, please explain this. What's the question? Why, why, why they, do they wait so long to give well, us... Why, do, why does it happen both ways? Why does no one in America know when or if the Lazarus right. Project Lazarus will ever project, get there? Yeah. Why do we still not know when or if Interview with the Vampire is coming? Why did the bear take approximately 15 years to yeah. come to our screens? Yeah. You know? I would say the bear actually was, was quite short at it. So yeah, it wasn't too bad. Hacks was the Hacks real piss And insane. even insane. worse. Are we ever even going to get um, Our Flag Me's Death? No, exactly. It's been commissioned. No idea. Yeah. It's been rated through the roof. I, People adore it. And we just we yeah, don't get it. Not even a mad. whisper. Yeah. Don't even get Boyd started on American Horror Story. Oh, indeed. <laughs> uh, which I managed not to mention in what I've been watching, but it yeah, was, it was the very finale good of this you. week. Yeah. Um, I think in general, and in general, what happens? I think what happens is like Sky. There are different reasons. Sky generally. Try, I've had this conversation with some Sky higher ups. Mm. They generally try and wait for when they can have a boxer show. So if it's an American show, they might just wait that little bit longer. And it's usually like a couple of months maximum. If a show goes out weekly, say on HBO, they'll wait for it to finish so they can have it all available as a boxer because yeah. that's what their they feedback they get from their customers is that's what they like to have. But they did, interestingly, they did that with season one of the of the White Lotus, for example, but not season two. Because it's became, once things become such a phenomenon, a pop culture phenomenon, then they knew they'd get more complaints about having to wait for the White Lotus. So now it's on weekly and we're all desperate, each week we're desperate to cover, see the next next episode. So it varies, but generally the, the, the dilemma they have is if they wait ages, people get annoyed because they're being made to wait and they will illegally download it, but they can't officially acknowledge that they even exist as a thing. But if they if they do it quickly, then then by and large it ends up being stuff that's gonna take, go over weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And the big for some, I, I mean, I find it annoying. I don't think I now I've, I've said this many times. Even though I am impatient for the White Lotus to see the final episodes, I'm still delighted that it's a weekly event, like Game of Thrones was, mm. like House of the Dragon, like Lord of the Rings. Even yeah. I think that I still think that's the best, most exciting way of consuming television. But those are the reasons they often give. And they, there's also the publicity factor. They can't have too many big shows launching within at the same time because it means they don't get reviewed on shows, on, on podcasts like this. That, but believe it or not, I think they do care about to some extent. Yeah. I know a, a large number of industry people listen to this podcast, which is very pleasing and brilliant. Um, but it means that, you know, if there's more than three big shows a week, we don't, we, we, you know, we have to decide what to review. And that happens, and that's, that happens all over all media. So, I think that's the probably the core reason why a show like I don't know Interview with a Vampire, which by the way my my link expired. I'm furious when they said. Oh that. no! Oh yeah, it's expired. Oh yeah, my I still haven't got around to watching yeah, it. Yeah, no one. It's it. fucking too late. Now. <laughs> oh. So fuck knows why they sent it. I think it may be on AMC on BT or whatever. But, <laughs> but by the time it comes around, we're watch it. So I'm furious. Oh. So I think in general, it's like they like to wait for the moment they think. I mean, this you know this happened with films years. You know, when I was yeah. growing up. You had to wait months for Star Wars to arrive. Or sometimes years. Sometimes years. Yeah. It just was, and it was all down to, well, in this country, this is where we want to wait to show this thing to get the maximum amount of viewers watching it. And that's kind of the core reason now. I think they're, it's bullshit. I think it, I think it, by and large, they are harming themselves because I think the longer we have to wait for a show, I think Hacks, for example, would have got much more publicity if they'd have aired it 
pretty much as soon as it was aired in America because oh, yeah, it instantly absolutely. it was getting brilliant reviews. Yeah. And we were waiting so long, it became a joke. And then it arrived, and yeah. then the second season dropped about a week later, and we're like, yeah. oh, it's all there now, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Who cares? It's, I think it does have a detrimental effect. Yes. That was a long-winded rant. No, but sorry. I do agree with you. I do agree with you. It's, it's maddening in this day and age that something like Our Flag Means Death, we have no clue when or if we yeah. will ever get to see that over here. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's nuts. But I've got, got time for a couple more. We actually don't because we're almost an hour into this podcast, but fuck it, we're going to do it anyway. Uh, Kathy O'Grady. Kathy, Kathy, Kathy. What have I ever done to you, Kathy? Kathy oh, says, we go. the new, she puts passive aggressive inverted commas around new, the new post bag is just James talking about the same shows in capital letters. <laughs> Brilliant. Less of the same old opinions about the same shows genres, please, you bellend. Now, <laughs> Kathy. Kathy. Kathy, 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 Kathy. <laughs> we love you, Kathy. I, I think I would point out that it's a literal post bag. These are people, I don't write these letters. I genuinely don't. I may, that may seem the case. I don't write these letters. They come in from people. I cannot help it if it's people not insist on It's the opposite things. of a literal post bag, though. It's messy. There's well, no bag. They don't know that. This is an audio bag. medium. People, are you telling me people writing letters in ink yeah. and sending yeah. to them to That's you? It's You're like, lying, James. Yeah. It's like when we used to watch number 73. It's like yeah. they sent it to that, well, that address in yeah. Maidstone, Kent. Uh, yes. When's the last time you wrote a physical thing to anyone about a, anything? A physical letter? Yeah. I mean, a post-it was probably the closest thing I've yeah, come to it in the exactly. last two decades. Uh, but yes, apparently I'm using the post bag as a platform to bang <laughs> about the same old shit. I mean, I don't know how to break this to you, Kathy, but we are 213 episodes into this podcast and I've been doing it pretty much from day one. Yeah, Kathy, <laughs> he uses any excuse. Yeah. He doesn't need the post bag. No. Any, yeah, but you're absolutely right. That, that ship has sailed. But anyway, she does have a question. Uh, a question after the discussion about the excellent bag sisters who is the worst most hateful character on TV we've kind of covered this JP on the show really was truly irredeemable can you pick a male and female character as so many shows don't allow their female characters to be dislikable Glenn Close in Damages maybe uh, oh, yeah. that's actually a good shout Glenn Close was terrifying in Damages yeah. but Glenn Close is brilliant and everything Genuinely terrible. I think definitely JP would be my pick at the moment. Race ball, as you've said, in the English is a yes, close race ball in the English is absolutely extraordinary. Arriving in episode four, which in itself is a bold move because yeah. it's basically the antagonist. Um, yeah, arrives more than halfway through the series. Fantastic. Um, a female. Who's just? I mean, been... Denise Goff in, in. I was just yeah. going to say. I, mean, I no, yeah. see. I disagree. Oh. I disagree. I think she's, she's a lovely. complex, interesting character. She's a delight. Well, because because <laughs> wait a minute. No, no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Torture. Hear me out. Oh, but she's a torturer. <laughs> hear me out. So so when you start with that show, you, she has your sympathies because she is a woman being oppressed by patriarchy, yeah, and you are different. in her camp. You are rooting for her, God. and what this show does that's so brilliant is, you're like you're rooting for this poor woman. She's like smash the patriarchy. Yeah. And you're so pleased when she gets one up on that bellend, you know, colleague of hers. Ben and then Smith. suddenly you're like, oh, you're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is, ultimately, even though you have her, she works for the fucking empire. So, <laughs> Wait a minute, you know. She is a torturer. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, no, technically, technically, she orders the oh, torture. She doesn't actually do the, the torture. That demented torturer to do it. Oh, yeah, that's morally much better. She's not <laughs> physically torturing this poor girl. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. 100%. Yes, no, it, she's got, you know why she's a monster, but she yeah. is a monster. But, but, but it's not quite as clear cut as she's a monster because she presumably, like, believes in what she's doing. I, she, I do not 
have sympathy for the Empire. I cannot help. Uh, I have to. I have classic. to emphasize this that. This is like your what was it? The character the character in the in the Avengers films. You know the mon- <laughs> the monstrous kind that you have. Thanos. The Thanos. mighty Thanos. You yeah. are you are you have sympathy with. Thanos. I must admit, when they did say the world population has uh, yeah. hit eight billion, I was sitting there snapping my fingers. Like, <laughs> anyway, uh, but but no. What I'm saying is, God. what I'm saying is that she probably believes in like you know order draconianism. She's a little bit right wing nationalist. But what I'm saying is, she's not. She's not like she's not sitting there scheming. She's not going. I'm going to do something super evil today. She's actually thinking these are terrorists. We need to hunt down the terrorists. She's wrong. She's misguided. But I don't think I'll put her in the camp as like a raging, raging this is villain. Brilliant. This is she's brilliant. she's just misguided. That's that's my oh, defense wow. of uh, oh my, my defense of her. That is, that is a really <laughs> interesting <laughs> insight. This is actually quite scary. I'm a little the psychopathy. The psychopathy. I'm glad we've got this documented. <laughs> yes. Don't cut a word of that. No, don't. don't, okay. don't that's brilliant. Good, good to know. But yeah. we've got away from the question. So who are the no, worst people on TV? It's an example. It's an answer. All right, we've established I'm the worst person on this podcast. Yeah. But who's who are the worst people on TV? I, I need a, I need a woman. Cersei was a, was a massive piece of shit. True. Yes. But um, and I'm going to do it again. Go. I'm going to do it again. No, I loved her as well. But she's what, definitely yeah. a massive. But one of the genius things about Game of Thrones, and they do this in the books when you get Cersei POV chapters, is that when you get to like you know shame, shame, all that, they humanise her. They've had her as very much a villainous force, and then you actually realise she is a mother. She loves her children. She's completely amoral. She's possibly a sociopath. But nevertheless, you have some sympathy for her. She's no Joffrey, for example. Like Joffrey is that... Joffrey mm. and what's his chops? Ramsay Bolton. Yeah. Joffrey and Ramsay Bolton are 100% that show's biggest bellend. They are the worst okay. by okay. miles. And yeah. arguably worse than JP, quite frankly. You know, because JP has not, to the best of my knowledge, murdered anyone with a crossbow. Uh, you know... <laughs> Yeah, but you, what can I just say though? You're slightly, I think you're slightly confusing. If I can be patronizing. Oh no, feel free. Like the fact that they, these are monstrous characters, yes. hideous psychopaths, and the fact that that good a good show. You're, what you're basically talking about is a quality bit of right TV writing will flesh out why yeah. and tell us why, and there'll be and there yeah. won't be simplistic one dimensional. But that doesn't mean they're not <laughs> monsters. To answer the question, well, so what know. is a monster, Boyd? Well, no, yeah. no villain really knows they're the villain in a good story. Well, that, I feel like we can't say anything right with this. I feel like we can't <laughs> yeah, say exactly. a word right. Basically, James is having an argument with himself. <laughs> yeah, <now>. like <laughs> just Ka- a bit. Of... Kathy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've done much to redeem myself in Kathy's eyes, quite frankly. <laughs> do you think? I, I see. It's interesting thing. I think sometimes villains do think they're the villain. That's possibly the real test of a psychopath. Maybe. Well, now, I'm making I think. This up, I, I think. I think you're right. Sometimes, but I tend to think those are the least interesting villains. The best villains are ones who Close not bang, only. Bang, no, he, I, he knows he's a fucking. I don't think he knows. I, I, think, do. I don't think he has any self awareness. He enjoys it. He's awful. He's an awful, awful, irredeemable human being. I, I will not defend him on any level. I don't think he necessarily has self-awareness, but I won't offend him. But my favourite villains are people like Killmonger, people like Namor from Black Panther. Villains who not only don't think they're the villains, but villains who, when you look at it, you're like, I kind of see where they're coming from. I just don't agree with them. Well, we've established that. <laughs> yeah. But in answer to the question... Sorry. Like, Clash Bang is a really good interesting... Because he's, he's, uh, he's, as we're saying, the best, most effective, most monstrous villain on TV. But I do think he enjoys it and he knows he's being an absolute psychopath. You think? Yeah, that's perhaps that, 100%. Yeah. I'm glad he's dead. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Wait, you died? Not okay. Yeah. okay, okay, we got... I'm, I'm, basically, I I'm just want to clear the deck, so I'm going to plough through yeah, the last right. two just a second. Right, Esther. Esther says, Hi, guys, love the pod. One thing I don't understand, though, you keep talking about how you don't understand why not enough people watch the shows on Apple TV. To me, it's perfectly clear. I guess you all have Apple devices or watch via screeners. Otherwise, it's virtually impossible to watch them. No app, only accessible on your laptop when the interface is so horrible. I, I, although she does say, Thank you, James. P.S. Thank you, James, for introducing me to The Expanse. Thank God that wasn't on Apple. You're very, very welcome, Esther. <laughs> um, 
Sorry, Kathy. Right. So, 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 uh, I see what's in, but there are Apple apps. So, so, but not on everything. So, it's such a, so if you have an Android set top box, you can, I believe, get an Apple app. You definitely can on Roku. You can get the Apple app on if you've got a Roku device. I don't know if you've got, yeah. if you've got a Fire Stick, I don't know if you can, but it is available on non Apple devices, but not all of them. But in the same way that, it's sometimes unpredictable what, like, so now TV's app, well, that isn't available on all devices. Again, you can get it on an Apple TV, but on my Android streaming box, I can't get the now TV app either. So, yeah, it's God. a little bit weird. Right. But I don't think you 100% need an Apple I device. think it's a very good point, though, because I do, I am aware of the immense privilege we have, I have, of, I get, you know, Apple TV plus free, effectively, yeah. because we get to watch the previews. And I've got an Apple TV box, mm. um, which means that I watch it on my mm. huge TV via the Apple TV app on so it's like I, I don't have to cost it to my TV it's just there and even and their previews are, are accessible on my TV as well so and I think if it didn't it would put you off I think if you could if can I I don't even know the answer to this is if you watch an, an Apple TV show on your laptop can you can you cast it to your TV without a an actual connection, or do you know what I mean, over over Wi-Fi? I don't know. I don't know. I've so, never tried because sometimes they can disable casting, yeah, so right. I don't know whether they can or not. But I know you can. Like I can watch it on my Roku stick, and I yeah. can watch it on my Apple TV. I will say that Apple recently updated the Apple TV, and it's actually got cheaper. Where everything else in the world is getting more expensive, the Apple TV is now I think like twenty quid cheaper. And it's it? yeah. I mean it's not cheap cheap. It's one hundred and I want to say one hundred and sixty quid something yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's by far and away the best. But I guess one of, of its boxes. selling points is that yeah, you get really good quality four K. Yeah. Uh, etc. What on your big TV? Yeah, and that's why they probably make it harder to watch. Yeah, maybe. Because bear in mind, they're a they're a hardware manufacturer. Like that's yeah. their main business. Yeah. So perhaps it's, that's it's what very, they're trying to sell. It is a really good point. It is a good point. But yeah, it does it does intrinsically limit the the, the number of yeah. viewers. Yeah, which I is possibly so. why they never talk about how many people watch their show. Maybe, maybe. Uh, right, last one, and this will be a super question. One, I sorry, for, sorry for everyone who's just like <laughs> banging their heads against everyone. Fucking close the post bag. It's not a literal <laughs> post bag. Ben W says, and this is aimed at Boyd. Why is Boyd not watching Andor? <laughs> it's up there with the best shows of the oh year. My gosh. Oh my god! Are you joking me? Funny. He's like, oh no, no, I haven't finished. I'm finished. No. If he can find time for ITV dramas, he can find time for Andor. <laughs> this oh, well, coming from someone who you... thinks Sherwood is number one show of the year. Okay, there you go. Does he? He thinks Sherwood is number one show of the year. It's a good shout. Sherwood's brilliant. Um, in answer <laughs> your question, I think I've I've not I've allowed James to dominate the Andor discussions because he he mentions it every week in, in the what we've been watching social. I have been I've been about two episodes behind. Is might be my issue with yeah. it, all the way through. So I haven't kept up as much. But I completely resolved that obviously now. And I finished the whole fucking thing and I've held forth, especially for you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I was about to say, Ben, you had like at least 20 minutes of Boyd banging yeah, on endlessly and or earlier on. So hopefully that has addressed your issue. That was the incredibly long post bag this week. I have cleared the Bloody decks, hell. I think, pretty much. So, you know, I'll try not to do it for an hour next week. Please address all your complaints about the post bag to the post bag at Pilot TV Pod on Twitter. Do hit us up via DM and I will go through them all on next week's show, taking about another hour and a half. Right. Shall we move on to this week's news? I don't know what's happening this week, but we should cover it quite quickly because we've been going quite long. Yes. Uh, who wants to begin? Uh, well, we've covered Ramsey Street, haven't yeah, we? Well, that was the big news. That Broke was today. the big news. Uh... Oh, good. It's good. Live, live ask Googling One thing news. I'm most excited about, um, which came from, a, I think, a Q&A that Quentin Tarantino did in the States. He's promoting his book at the moment. And his book, if, 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 you, if you've seen his book, 
which is about his favourite film. So this film is fantastic. Yeah, I haven't, I had, I haven't read it yet. But I started reading yeah. it. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, he's a brilliant writer. Obviously, he's a brilliant writer of scripts, but he's also a brilliant writer of basically extended reviews slash think pieces. Mm. Anyway, at one of these events to promote that book, he said he's got, he's planning to write a TV and write and direct his own TV series. Like an eight part, he's got an eight part TV show in his head that he hasn't written yet. And I believe he wants to, and now as far as I can make out, like if I was, you know, at Netflix or Apple TV Plus, I'd be like, fucking hell, Quentin Santino wants to go do his own eight-part series. Give, let's all give him the money he wants to do what the fuck he wants. So I'm assuming that will happen at some point, but all he said at the moment, he won't say what it's about. He won't say anything more apart from the fact that he wants to do it and he's got an idea in his head. And it'll be that. And I think that's very exciting because I think we've all been waiting. I have anyway. I have been waiting, yeah. all of me, for a Quentin Tarantino pig TV product. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been a slow week. Well, I mean, obviously we, we know that Hunters cancelled because yes, presumably the they needed the money to yeah. pay for Neighbours. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's good. <laughs> Season good 2 arriving in January. Oh, which I completely forgot about that show. I really liked Hunters. It was absolutely mm. nuts. Mm. No. I it was too graphically <sighs> It was very graphic. Awful. I didn't love it. Yeah. It was, it was juvenile. I would admit that. Yeah. And a great example, by the way, in the Jews Don't Count thing I mentioned before, of, of Al Pacino, an, an absolute non-Jew playing a Jewish character, which is one of the things David Deal is very much interested in. And it's a classic <laughs> example of um, non-representative casting. Anyway, there's a, there's been a couple of BBC announcements of show Shuggy Bane. Have you read that book? Oh my gosh. Terry's, this, I was going to say, I can always hear like Terry White roaring yeah. when like that yeah. news got announced. Exactly. That's <laughs> been, they are making a drama of Shuggy Bane, which is yeah. one of the, the Terry White books of recent mm. years. I've read it. It's a brilliant book. Um, it's definitely the best book of that year, a couple, two or three years ago. They haven't announced anything apart from the fact it is being um, adapted cool. for a BBC series. There's also a really interesting BBC show called Boat Story, um, which is which has gone into production and stars Daisy Haggard. Um, the great Daisy Haggard and Patterson Joseph. And it's from the uh, Williams brothers who did The Tourist. So mm. instead of people wanting, you know, The Tourist was the, the big kind of action thriller series at the beginning, 1st of January it dropped of this year. I and, remember. Yeah, do you remember? I did not like it. You did, oh, you didn't? You remember this. Oh, yeah. What yeah. was your problem with it again? I don't remember. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I remember I being absolutely baffled by the fact right. that you guys liked yeah, it. Because yeah. I thought we would all be... Yeah, I really liked it. Aligned. Um, but there was a big question, would it? Would there be a second season? I think there is going to be a second season. I think they intend to be a second season. But before that, they're doing another new thriller, six-part thriller for the BBC with that excellent cast of Daisy Haggard, Patterson Joseph, and um, Chicky Cario, who played Baptiste in Baptiste and the Missing. Oh, yeah. yeah, who's yeah. brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And the, uh, and the story is when two hard-up strangers stumble across a haul of cocaine on a shipwrecked boat they can't believe their luck. After agreeing to sell it and split the cash, they find themselves entangled with police, masked hitmen, and a shop-suited gangster known only as the tailor played by Chucky Carrier. So it's like a, it's, it feels like a, an, a similar tone and kind of uh, quality to it to a tourist. I'm but I'm mainly excited by the idea of Daisy Haggard doing a big showcase, in quotes, straight role. Like yeah. Because she's a brilliantly funny, fantastic actor. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Thanks. Great thrills. Great, Beth. Brilliant. Have we had any any other news, or are we broadly done? That's enough. That's enough news. We, yeah. We've decided we don't really. I want mean, to the postbag was so enormous. The, I mean, like, yes, it was. It was just... a particularly bulgy, literal postbag this yeah. week. A lot of letters came in. All right, fine. Let's skip news and go straight onto the reviews. Uh, and first up this week. We have Wednesday, uh, which stars Jenna Ortega of You fame as the eponymous Adams, uh, who is whisked away from her regular school to take up studies at Nevermore Academy, where vampires and werewolves pack the halls. Uh, however, there's something more deadly by far 
going on behind Nevermore's walls, and our goth girl heroine is determined to get to the bottom of it. Boydie. Craig David was apparently making love on Wednesday, and... Uh, <laughs> Well, I can't recommend that for a TV series. Wow. Did you love this? Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Absolute fuck. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. That surprised wow. me more than Andor. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yes. it, it he say, was getting his Andor away, if you will. God. Stop this. Stop it. Yeah, stop it now. I have to say, I wasn't that excited about Wednesday uh, when it was announced. Hump because day, that's why. I don't know. I'm never like I've never been that interested in the Adams family. I mean, the film was fine. Is it is it a particularly good film? Not. I don't well, know. Well, so so I think it's it's fair to say that Christina Ritchie was the best thing in the film. Yeah. The Adam family values where she takes right. center stage is genuinely good because yeah, she makes and that's it better, good. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and equally, I think I'm slightly off Tim Burton. I know. Can I? Mm. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Take him to fair. the. <laughs> He's, he's, he's fucking bond. Right. Decade, I would say. Yeah, he has chucked him in the Ryan Murphy box. I, I, was, I was like dancing around shit. it. But no, he, no. He had, when's the last good film he made? Frank yeah. and Weenie, I think. Okay. Yeah, well, that was quite a while that ago. That was like, yeah. I can't years believe ago. you've taken Tim Burton to the glue factory. That's extraordinary. I don't I don't care. He's he's made yeah. me suffer. No, I mean, you're right. He's, uh, he, he's made some. Bad film. Really I mean, bad. Yeah. It's really... Dumbo, Big Fish, Big Eyes film. Big not Fish was big. fine. No, it wasn't. It was fine. <laughs> Everything else, it was, just it generally, was generally really bad. Just a real like cash grabby. Yeah. It's really disappointing. Right. Yeah. So I, that's for those, for those reasons, <laughs> I was not massively looking forward to it. It's actually yeah. showrun, not by him. It's created by Alfred Goff and Miles Miller, who worked on yeah. Smallville. Smallville. Yes, yeah, that's right. He is the lead director yeah. and exec producer. But it's very Burton. It is so Burton. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. And, but you know what? I actually rather enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I was, I, I was She's surprised. very good. She's fantastic, General Taker. She, what they've done is they've taken the her character, the teenager, she is a, they basically turned the Adams family into a teen high school yeah. drama, comedy drama. So it's mainly set in the high school. The, the opening scene, which is really funny, um, involving piranha fish <laughs> and bullying, <laughs> yeah. et cetera, is, is, it's a great start. And it kind of cracks along at a good pace. She's brilliant. There's also fantastic characters. The, the head of the new school she goes to, she gets thrown out of her old school for the piranha incident, uh, Gwendolyn Christie, yeah. who's phenomenal. Um, then the... the uh, Christina Ricci pops up as well in a really nice, fun role. Catherine Zeta-Jones is fantastic as Morticia, mm. the mother. Mm. Luis Guzman, who I, who I think, great casting. Yeah. He's really funny as well. That's Gomez. And Fred Armisen is Uncle Fester. So it's brilliantly cast. Uh, I think it's pretty well written. It's funny. It's entertaining. And it's got kind of interesting things to say about high school kind of outsiders. So she basically moves to a school for outsiders. So all the kids in this school think they are in some way, shape or form, either through gender issues or sexuality or just a different mindset. Uh, they will feel that outside of mainstream society. And that's an interesting idea that in this world, she doesn't, she she still sounds out a bit. Let's, let's say that. <laughs> you know, they all have issues. All of the kids in this school that she moves to have issues. So I was really pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed it. The only thing I think is odd about this mm. is that you very quickly lose that fish out of water dynamic, which he begins with. Because yeah. the, the beginning is that she's this f sort of odd bod right. in a normal school, and she's a psychotic one. And it's, that's an interesting dynamic, which lasts for less than five minutes. Yes. And then suddenly she's in a school with werewolves and stuff. And, and then it's like, well, she's no longer 
an outcast uh, yeah. because, as you say, it's a school full of outcasts. She gets a different school uniform, but that's basically. Right. But I think it, it still worked. A, there is a murder mystery element to it. There is. Say. So there's yes. like serial killing going on in the town, mm. in the local town. So that adds a, adds a narrative thread. But yeah, I think it's an interesting idea that she ends up being not particularly an outsider yeah. in that in that um, world. One of well, the more normal people. She's there. a voluntary outsider, isn't it? Whereas in in the the school with the jocks and the pranas and things, she yeah. is she's, she's outcast pariah. by yeah. them. Yeah. But in the the outcast school, she takes herself away from them and, and wants no part of yeah. of them. Yeah, I generally I love Jenna Ortega. I've seen some awful things happening to her this past year. She really does <laughs> die a lot. No, she's um she's great. I think she's a really great rising talent and she's great for this. I also loved the red carpet looks with her and Christina Ricci, if you saw them. She wore a black veil and uh, Christina Ricci wore this like brilliant black ga- gown with like a big cobweb on it, which I'm now thinking I need to have as <laughs> as web. Um and I did generally I enjoyed the setup with this. I enjoyed it, I've only watched one episode it took a while to get snap. it needed some real snap to it to set it apart from say the other big kind of show like this on Netflix which is the Sabrina spin-off which yeah it shares a lot of connective tissue um, and it took a little while for it to warm up the bits where my heart just sank though is as soon as they started bringing up Snapchat or TikTok or <laughs> sort of you know, youth speak, as yeah. they call it. I felt a bit cheated. I just <laughs> yeah, thought... Like, oh, are you on the Instas? What are you do doing? Do you know what I mean? I just think you don't need to shoehorn in those references to appeal to a younger audience. If you've got a really cool, you know, aspirational character who's really, like, cathartic to watch as she's sort of telling people, if you have drip coffee, you don't have a soul. You know, things like that are really <laughs> funny. I think you can you can focus on a really sharp dialogue and like a really dry delivery which she is more than capable of than having to be like oh what's your like socials I just think that stuff is lazy but yeah once it warmed up I I, I enjoyed watching her work and the supporting cast is not terrible I did I love I the 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 adult cast are absolutely fantastic and I loved Thing as well Thing, oh, is, Thing is brilliant Thing, Thing is, is brilliant. great yeah. Thing is great the, great handwork yeah I, I would yeah. love to know who that is actually like, I think it's credited actually because <laughs> I wrote a thing about there's um, a re- the, yeah, yeah fant- I'm doing it I don't no one can see me do this I'm doing the sort of yes. the, the finger gestures like it's incredible what they're able to do with that you know and all the great takes that Burton has really been missing of like you know there's there's not that much CGI to it there is a lot of the production designs great costume designers great yeah. you know the gem this big gothic tower she's staying in at the boarding school like that is all fantastic and shows you don't need to rely on sloppy CGI to, to kind of make good scary telly so yeah definitely the best thing that's come out under his name in mm. a very yeah. long time it's going to win a lot of craft awards I think like, yeah right, I yeah. would mm. like to think and yeah. and yeah I think she is she is just infinitely watchable I think she's really really great they just they need to give her that that really snappy dialogue to kind of make it the best they can be. Mm. Also, did you notice it was um, shot with stars followers and Gilmore Girls? Huh? Yeah. So was it really? I'm, I'm confident it was. It's the um, the what's it in the middle of the town square and I saw it. They did one division there as well. Like, honestly, the number of places, like, shows oh, that were wow. shot there. But yeah, I had a little like, Ooh. And Victor Dorabantu is the guy whose hand is thing. Oh, great. Yeah. Can we get him on the podcast? Absolute star, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He would be amazing. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And throwing Boyd's theory about when Netflix shows drop come to complete disarray this appropriately lands on Wednesday. 
Well, of course, that's why. This would the be a Friday. This would be a yeah, cert for Friday, uh, where enough of that it's where, called Wednesday. Yeah, and has if to it was called Friday, it'd yes. be out on Friday. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, in fact, actually, sorry, one more thing. Because it's, it's just called Wednesday. Do you know why she's called Wednesday? Because Wednesday, Wednesday is full, full of woe. And all the episodes have woe in the title. And they're quite funny. Woe is the loneliest number. Friend or woe. Woe, what a night, is my favourite. You reap what you woe, etc. Which is quite funny. I do love a pun title. Yes. I do love a pun title. Right. That was Wednesday. Next up. We have Ghosts. No, not the Charlotte Ritchie and Kill Smith Bino one, but the US remake of said show created by Simon Farnaby and the gang. Uh, one that landed on CBS last year, but one that comes to BBC Three this week. Beth, on a scale from loving evolution like the US office to absolute televisual hate crime like the US version of Cracker, where does US Ghosts fall? It wasn't bad. I think... As someone who has watched all of Ghosts UK, um, I'm very excited. We've got a Christmas special coming, haven't we, as well, which I'm yeah. really excited about. And I really felt like it lost its way a little bit in the previous series. This series is really come back around wonderfully and did some really beautifully written, emotionally rich storylines, which the, the season before was lacking slightly. So I think it's on a really strong foot at the moment. And I think inevitably with these things, as with The Office, as with all these other big American remakes, you inevitably instantly draw comparisons. And I think it's always better when you take that source material and reinterpret it instead of trying to do like a carbon copy, which they've sort of done here, but sort of haven't. So they've obviously, I mean, history lesson, guys. <laughs> America <laughs> is a little bit different from Britain in terms of that. <laughs> uh, what, what, what a good point. Do you know, <laughs> firstly, they wouldn't be here without British history, but also, <laughs> uh, so they've obviously swapped out some of the characters. There's that same kind of like, vibe to them there's this um awful republican kind of braces snapping <laughs> guy um who is the equivalent of the 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 shamed tory in the uk ghosts but has died in a similar way also doesn't have any trousers on you know there's the kind of prim uppity heir to the house there's a viking where there was a caveman you know they, they've sort of swapped people out also I'd, i'm i want to think carefully about how i say this <laughs> Please, please just say These, it. Please just say um, it. Yeah. The, the characters are a lot more glamorous, I would say. Mm. To, to say sort of what I'm getting at, my partner walked through what I was watching is like, everyone is far too hot in this version of the show. That's and I don't think that's necessarily fair. I'm not saying this. I don't think that's true, is it? I just think they've they've upped, they've made it a little bit glitzier. The cast have all got like veneers and like kind of... Well, it's just America, isn't it? It is just America. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's the point. Whereas like, it's an inherently British like, oh, what's her character name? Mary in the in the UK um, one like her teeth are all mangled up yeah. and she's covered in certain she coughs and she's sort of quite like her face is always at sort of a constant angle and there's things. an earthy idiosyncratic quality I think to the ghosts beautifully the put one. that is beautifully <laughs> put whereas this they've really kind of they've really tried to make them a bit more um, yeah a little bit more glamorous I would say they also really up kind of the hallmark you know as I said with there's there's a moment as I said in the most recent series of the UK ghosts where something something very significant happens and it's handled very delicately and sweetly and there's just a very lovely moment at the end of the episode to kind of summarise what happens whereas with this 
there's a big emotional moment that's kind of dropped in the middle and it's like this big hallmark moment where the pianos are playing there's a voiceover talking about the meaning of life and how important it all is these big sort of you know big 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 emotional payoffs which I think translates really well to an American audience but again when you've you've closely watched the UK one and you can't help but compare the two it feels a little bit too schmaltzy for me but there's still a lot that's like I to- it's done incredibly well hasn't yeah, it in, in America hit, yeah. absolutely yeah, it's had very good reviews and I can I can absolutely see why yeah, the, the, the pair playing the couple in this instance like very charming a different energy to the, the couple in the, the UK show I, I think I'm just too closely connected to the UK mm. show and that's not to say it won't. It could potentially win me over very much mm. like the US office did, but at the moment I'm too... But you're in it. difficult territory, aren't you? Because it's yeah. essentially just an exact remake early on. I think the first two episodes of this are pretty much not quite shot for shot, but not far off. Like, mm. they're very close to the UK one. And it's not until episode three that this branches out. And we've addressed this question on the podcast before, haven't we, Boyd, where people are saying, why do it when it's a perfectly good one? It's like, well, the perfectly good one, the British one is, what, six episodes of the series? Yeah. And this is, what, 20-odd, 18? I don't know. And that's why they do it, isn't it? So they've, they've used a template and they've copied some of the storylines very closely and then they go off and they do their own thing. And I think like the US office, it will establish its own or may already have because it's already two seasons in, isn't it, in the States? It will establish its own or has established its own identity, its own feel. The thing that I struggle with this is having seen the UK one, my overwhelming film feeling was just kill it with fire. Kill it with fire, make it die. Like It just upset me on every level because Charlotte Ritchie is such a distinctive personality in everything she does and oh, yeah. you can't I can't separate the Charlotte Ritchie-ness and I have nothing against Rose McIver I've watched iZombie like she's very very good but she's not Charlotte Ritchie and I can't I can't deal with it I can't I can't I, can't. I just can't I can't even make it stop how funny sorry um it is interesting that there are already, I think, possibly more episodes of the American version than the British version. I, just, I meant to check that. Well, it probably is. If it's like 18, so, 20 well, episodes are, and there have been two seasons. There are 25 episodes have already aired in America. Huh. And finally, have 26 episodes of the British one. But very soon, so very soon, mm. even with the Christmas special, the American version will have had more episodes. Which I find it's so, it, you're right. It's to do, obviously, with the American. Mm. This is a network CBS yeah, show. CBS it has been a hit. I think it's heartwarming and brilliant for the British creators that the American version is hewing in tonally to their invention. Yeah. Um, and it captures, as you say, the disastrous ones that you could list. Just that's what they generally miss is they kind of try and Americanize the tone of it. And this has got a very sharp, funny, very well-performed tone that is very similar to the British version. I agree that I think the one difference is that the British version's treatment of emotional, those emotional moments yeah. are so much more subtle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the way, and that really that's, I think that's what elevates Ghosts, the British show, from being a very good, you know, slash great sitcom, mm. you know, a pre-Watershed family-friendly sitcom, which is one of the great things about it, to something special. Yeah. Which I think it is something special. I absolutely love it. Is those emotional moments are so brilliant when they come because they sparingly deal with them. Yeah. But when they do, they absolutely bowl you over. And I don't think I mean I've only watched the first episode of the yeah. American version. But as you write, there's a there's a quite a kind of uh kind of hallmarky um, you know, kind of a, a, overly kind of broad emotional moment in this one. I think we can even say what it is because, I mean, the whole premise of Ghosts was yeah. Charlotte Ritchie's character sure. falls out a window, yeah, which is 
yeah. funnier as well. It's handled in a far funnier yes, way. definitely. She comes to after a near-death experience and that's why she can see yeah. the ghosts, but her partner exactly. can't. With this, the, the character falls down the stairs after they've had an argument and she's rushed to hospital and that, I mean, obviously she comes through and that's when she sees the ghost. Yeah. And that is the bit that's handled with this kind of hallmark, yeah. kind of framing that feels quite, yes. And I think there's even yeah. some music, like there's a musical oh, cue yeah. to like kind of, un- as if we need underlying that this is supposed to be moving Music this bit. and a voiceover, in case you weren't oh, yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, music oh my God. and a voiceover yeah. about the meaning <laughs> yeah. of life. But so that is, yeah, so when, it, it, uh, but having said that, by and large, they've done a really good job. I, funnily enough, one of the I thought the ghosts are all great. I think they're brilliant. The ghosts, all, more, every single one of them so far. You know, like this. The, the, there's one character who sings all the time, and she, right at the beginning they say, oh, "You made it all about her, yourself." Mm. She's really funny, and she's brilliant. She's a brilliant singer, but the fact she wants to sing the song, songs all the time <laughs> is, is really funny. Yeah, I actually think that the leads, if I can be slightly harsh, I just I don't think they're anywhere near as good as Kale Smith, Bino, or Charlotte no, Ritchie. I, don't I, I, I really. I really don't. And I think it's it's hard to put my finger on why, why they weren't. Utkash Ambudkar, who is the male lead, who, by the way, is a rapper who is known by stage name, UTK The Inc., I'm sounding like a very old. But I am a very old. <laughs> please, can, please, on every podcast yeah. now, can you say UTK the UTK ink? the ink? Um, I found him a bit annoying. I don't. He's so he works a lot with Mindy Kaling. Yeah, he was in like the Mindy Project as her brother, yeah. and um, never should I ever. I think there's like a there's a slight twitchy charm to him. Right. I didn't, um, yeah. I didn't. Go, didn't I, I didn't. I didn't hate him. I just found him a borderline irritating. Okay. Like he's got a kind of squeaky thing going on. <laughs> I don't know. It's very personal. I, I didn't. Mind Rose McIver, I thought was f- absolutely fine, but Charlotte Ritchie is so brilliantly charming. Yeah. In the British version, I, I, I mean, let's face it. The reason we're reviewing this is to compare. I don't think it's unfair to compare them because every single person who watches this chooses to watch the American version on BBC Three or iPlayer mm. will compare it themselves. So Rose McIver is good as she is, absolutely fine. But Charlotte Ritchie is just brilliant. Yes. In everything, but and she's brilliant in the show. So. A brilliant British show has ended up, I think, so far being a very, very good American show. And that, I guess, is cause for celebration. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, then, that is Ghosts, brackets, US. Uh, (laughs) Which comes to BBC Three on what day, Boydie? Uh, It's already started. So it arrives on Sunday the 20th. Yeah. So it'll all be there on iPlayer for you to consume at your leisure. Listeners. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> listeners <laughs> thank you very much thank Thanks. you very much Void Cheers. right finally this week we have Echo 3 which is the latest prestige drama from Apple with a budget roughly equivalent to the GDP of a medium sized country <laughs> uh, as you've heard from the man himself uh, Luke Evans stars with Michael Husband as a pair of Delta Force soldiers who set out to rescue a family member from the clutches of Colombian guerrillas now obviously that's the freedom fighters not the primates which have been a very very different type of show uh, this comes from the pen of Mark Bowl, who wrote Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker so Boyd did this put you in The Hurt Locker or did you enjoy it? It is very Hurt Lockery. What's the other film mm. they did? He did um, Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty. It's also very, in the Valley of Ella was one right. of those as well. It's very much in that wheelhouse of a lot of war, action, terrorism, fighting, guns stuff going on. At the same time, it's trying to be a quite emotional drama about the kidnapping of um, Jessica Collins' character Amber mm. and the fact that her own husband, who happens to be this action man, <laughs> paid by 
by how do you put? I always I never know how to pronounce his name. I call him Michael Husman, but it might be Michel Husman. I think it is Michel Husman. It could be. Of, of, I don't know. Yeah, Game of Thrones, um, etc. Fame. Dario Naharis. Yeah, and Luke Evans um, is her brother. Who so she happens to have her brother and her husband yeah. are action hero yeah. types. Yeah. One of them's called who, Bambi. The other one's called Prince. These are amazing. Yeah. Bambi and Prince who go off together. There's a brilliant. So it starts off with their, you see their wedding, right? And on her wedding night. <laughs> her brother and her new husband go off together to fight in fucking Afghanistan or something leaving her alone back at the house you know where she's she's a scientist a genius scientist whose speciality is um, finding like um, ways of dealing with addiction which are kind of like new agey kind of like herbal treatments yeah. of as Americans would say of addiction it has a lot of by the way when when I read the premise of this show and even when I started watching I was like this is based on a true story because it's kind of got that vibe to it that you know it's so it's based on of, an existing series yeah but not a true story it's no. absolutely all fiction so I was like oh so they've just chosen to make it quite preposterous I think <laughs> and I do think it is borderline preposterous right the whole concept of it because you then get this whole thing there she then gets kidnapped in Colombia and you get up to know a lot about the Colombian political situation. Right. So it's, it's Colombia, as far as we can make out, is in a permanent state of civil war. And she gets kidnapped by one of the leftist revolutionary rebel groups. And meanwhile, along Luke Evans and, and, and Prince and Bambi, as they're known, go off, <laughs> go off to try on their own rescue mission right to try and find her. And meanwhile, you're introduced quite cleverly. The cleverest element of the whole thing was there's a journalist there's a kind of star journalist who we meet played by Martina Guzman and she's like a star journalist in Colombia mm. and so she is our way into this quite complicated account yeah. of the Colombian political civil war situation yeah. that these American characters are embroiled in so that that A managed to avoid the idea that it's just about Americans you know mm. and in this in this world in the yeah. Central American world and B because she is a clear Central American Colombian character herself but do you know what I I, I didn't, wouldn't say this is my favourite Apple TV Plus show I, um, of recent yeah. times. I, I I found it mildly entertaining. I think it's well put together. It is it's as lavish as all of their shows. You know, there's some spectacular landscapes, especially in the Colombian stuff. And they live in this magnificent house, by the way. So yeah. it shows you how profitable being a kind of mercenary Honestly. CIA or whatever fuck agent he is, because they live in this spectacular, stunning house. Well, her as well. I think it's her oh, yeah, money her, as yeah. well. She a lot of money in scientific research into Giving addiction apparently red talks she gives a red talk yeah <laughs> um, but I found it all a little bit difficult to believe and the other thing I saw was the direction which in the first episode is directed by Argentinian director Pablo Chapero quite a few South American directors yeah, which, here, is which I fine. think is an interesting choice weird a lot of ultra close ups I don't know if you noticed this and you know like I'm not sure we need to see that face in that close yeah. it happened a lot in the first couple of episodes that I watched which slightly um, talking of things that take you out of something massive massive close ups for no particular reason apart from <laughs> the fact that we couldn't think of any way else to direct a scene or whatever that, that put me off a bit so it's fine but I'm not it's not the Apple TV Plus show I think it's probably the least riveting and addictive mm. Apple TV Plus show I've watched for a while I would mm. say if I can be harsh yeah sorry Harsh. So this is—I think it's ten episodes total, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's split into sections. I've seen part one, which is the first three right. episodes. Okay. Uh, I really liked it. Oh, okay. I really liked it. Why? Adam Beth, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was very expensive looking. Wasn't it? The, but but we should um, we should like there's 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 expensive looking and there's expensive looking, and this has an action sequence at the beginning, mm. which has a budget 
larger than most films I've seen this year. Yeah. It's insane. It is insane, but then I feel like this is a recurring thing with Apple. Like the Hurricane Katrina yeah. show mm. yeah. had had so much money, completely Bay energy to it, like yeah. big Bay energy. Yeah, Michael Bay, you mean not um, like. Yeah, Michael Bay. Sorry. The Bay. Yeah, the Bay. <laughs> the Bay. Um, I and I love Luke Evans. I I watch him in anything. I think he's great in this. I just yeah, he's great. You're yeah. right. Yeah, I've meant to mention that. Yeah, I, they're all great. I, I failed to connect to this. I'm glad that they have a variety of directors in. I didn't realize that, and I was a little bit skeptical of the world that they were portraying and how they were portraying the people in it, given that. Jessica um, and Colin's character is essentially going in and, you know, advancing her agenda because of their resources sort of thing. It was a bit like, oh, a white woman was coming in and and sort of using ancient beliefs and traditions and things to feed her agenda and what she wants Isn't to do. Isn't she working in- with Colombian scientists? She is, but like... But they're definitely at her service, aren't she, they? Yeah, yeah. she yeah. is like giving these red, I'm using air quotes, red talks to, you know, a big room full of Americans about how to cure addiction. And I'm not saying she's like an evil woman, but like it is interesting to see how they're using that. And then, oh, some people with guns show up on horses. It's a bit, it, uh, it makes me a bit wary. I think it was quite, I found this with Surface as well. It, it's it's interesting mapping Apple and the shows that it's putting out because you're starting to see these sort of patterns in what they're doing. And I put this more on a Surface level, you know, the Google yeah, yeah. Butter Raw film where it's a film, it basically, like a, like a TV show where it's it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a big emotive story, like kind of mystery thriller story and just like a, a lot of product, like a lot chucked at the production design and a few like memorable names coming in. But, Nothing quite compelling enough to to put me onto the next episode. Uh, I, I know what you mean, but it's no. I don't think nowhere near as addictive as Surface. Surface did oh, have I that. forget you. Yeah, oh, I, steady. I was steady. <laughs> the surface, you can't compare these two things. Like Surface is super trashy. Yeah, no, like, you know, this quite is successfully. This is not that though. Like it's like no, yeah. but there is a there is a quite. But no, you're right. There is a in, right. There's 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 conflict between Bambi and whatever is like Bambi and Prince. Prince. Yes, there is. Written and directed pretty much as that kind of show, right? As Surface would be, it's quite cheesy. It's borderline it? cheesy sometimes. See, yeah. it's funny. Like my it my my take on the show was very very different to yours. I actually loved. I thought this was an incredibly interesting take on what could have been a very gung ho American centric storyline. Right. In that, I found that you you know it was as I say had had South American directors in there. Uh, Mark Bowley is a very nuanced you know, detail-oriented screenwriter and where he handles the geopolitics here, I think is fascinating. It's a thread of real sort of deep bone cynicism mm. all the way through this from American foreign policy to the existence of the military-industrial machine. Like, all of this stuff comes in. The fact that Prince's dad is an arms manufacturer is, you know, it's not accidental. Like, all of this. Yeah. He, he deals with all the strata of conflict and military and private military contractors and Bradley all sorts with- of things. Yeah, and how it all kind of stacks <laughs> together. Yeah. And there's this kidnapping story at the heart of it, but it's not as simple as that. And again, not to go all like, you know, the villains aren't villains, you know, but it's, they're not portrayed as terrorists. They are portrayed as people with a political agenda, you know, and they are doing what they can to make their voices heard. I'm not defending them or necessarily their motives and whatnot, but it's not as clear cut as these local savages have taken this America and we're going to go in and save them. It's a couple of guys sticking their great big American size 12 feet into something they don't fully understand and frankly fucking it up. And 
That's the whole point of it. It's actually, it feels to me it's more a commentary on American foreign policy and the American mindset and how America sees the world and indeed South America in particular. And I think he's he's not he's not blind to any of that. I love the fact that there are huge sections of this show that aren't in English, like subtitle sections, massive sections of it. You know, and it's just like they're trying to kind of make it feel legitimate. I mean, I've never been even been to Colombia, so I can't tell you where there is. <laughs> You've not, but no, uh, we're not coming to you live now from Colombia. No. But 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 you know, I I think he's 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 brought that realism, that verite that you have in the Hurt Locker, that you have in Zero Dark Thirty, and I think he's brought it to this, and that's what made this stand out for me. And as I have alluded to already, the fact that the production values on this are so ludicrously high. <laughs> it's almost embarrassing. You're like, like cost of living crisis. It's like, we could probably fund the country for a year for just what it costs to do 15 minutes of this show because the action sequence at the beginning is insane. And there are, these are, every episode has this huge action set piece. You're like, how long did it take you to shoot this and how much did it cost? I don't know, maybe I'm just obsessed with the budget, but I was... You are obsessed with the budget. Um, yeah. I, know, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I admire it. That, all, everything you've said, I admire all those things, and you're right. And I, actually, I'm yeah. The depiction of the rebels, particularly, is is is, is interesting because it does it kind of depicts them as young, you know, hipsters, yeah. really mm. um, ideological, yeah, ideological, yeah. and all of that. And that is interesting. And you're right about Bradley Whitford as the as the arms the gang is is very interesting. And they're you know, um, Luke, Ever, Ever, they're all great. What I think what's interesting about it is I don't think it has a, na- a strong enough narrative hook. You see, I think all that's fine. But what Mm. is the narrative hook for 10 episodes? I did, I watched the first couple and I did think by the time I got to the end of the episode, I was like, what are they doing for the next eight episodes? It's one of those for me. Three is great. You missed that. You should have watched three. Whereas the reason why I think best comparison (laughs) surface is is it works is because actually in certain scenes, like the the confrontation between between Bambi Bambi and Prince in a restaurant, (laughs) you know that scene where they're confronted and they're kind of bickering and having a go. And I thought that was was kind of quite, was borderline cheesy that dialogue mm. and so I think it is prone to moments of and I actually think um, some of those films we mentioned Zero Dark Thirty there are moments I remember being overly melodramatic those, those films yes have, I agree you with know, you they're, yeah. they're, cap- they're capable of being overly melodramatic as is this show and and yet it doesn't have a strong narrative hook for me what is the narrative hook because she's been kidnapped they're obviously going to find her so how long is it going to take you don't know of course they you will you don't know they will what's well, actually, what's there what's quite interesting I mean, is if you had seen episode 3 okay. I think you have an interesting oh, look right. at, no spoilers but episode 3 I think is a really great episode okay. uh, and I think it does some very very interesting things in episode 3 it's brutal in places as well this is properly brutal uh, and yeah anyway so I really liked Echo 3 mm. I'm definitely going to watch all of this mm. I thought it was great uh, but this lands on Apple TV Plus on the 23rd which is Wednesday of November see yeah. another Wednesday everything's Wednesday that, this that, week. that is weird why is, <laughs> why is that on a Wednesday going Wednesday they're now. going head to head with Wednesday yeah, I wanted something to do with the World Cup or something, but it is weird that suddenly there are... Yeah, the World Cup, an event that you had to inform me was happening yeah, this week. I mean, <laughs> you, uh, you know yeah, I, mean? I was going to put it in, uh, what, uh, yeah, in, in other stuff that's on this week. The World Cup yeah. is on this week, hey. listeners. Yeah. And... We, I, wanted, I invited Boyd to a TV <laughs> yeah. quiz. Would he be on my team? And he was like, I'm watching the semi-finals of the World Cup. I'm like, is the World Cup on? I, I beg your pardon? What is yeah. this football? Yeah. Um, England will, uh, will play today, listeners. So you can actually... You know, one o'clock, England's first game on, on uh, Monday. And then Wales is going. Wales is Wales also playing oh, on good. Monday as well. So you can watch, enjoy those games in between listening to this podcast if you want. Just saying. Thank you, Boydie. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. What else is out this week? What have we missed? The I World mean, Cup. the World Cup. Don't care about that. Upright, which is the Tim yes. Minchin comedy series. That's on Sky Comedy. That's We've, about moving a piano across the country. Well, Millie Alcock is in Upright, we should say. That's the great. Great. It is yeah. Millie Alcock. So, yeah, I've forgotten yeah, yeah. it was Millie Alcock. Yeah. So, you know, that 
that's she was in that. She was in season one. Yes, before, of course she was. Before House of the Dragon. Um, that starts on Tuesday. That starts on Tuesday on Sky Comedy yep. slash Now. There's a there's a, a you know in the BBC Four Saturday Night slot which has started already. There's a really interesting Mexican thriller called Senorita Eighty Nine, which apparently is really really good. I haven't watched it myself yet. It's, it looks at the dark side of beauty pageant culture in the eighties, and it's supposed to be really interesting. There it, there isn't that much more. There's Life at the Moth Club I wanted to mention, which is on Dave. I mean, this is comedy. Uh, it's a celebration mm. of stand-up comedy yeah. from uh, Alex Owen and Ben Ashenden, who are um, a brilliant duo, and they have created the show. And it's all about the Moth Club, and it's got people like Jamie and Natasha Dimitri, yeah. our favourites, yeah. appear as themselves, um, and Eddie White's in it, and it's all about that whole world of stand-up and the kind of community of stand-up comedians and what goes on behind the scenes. But it is yeah. scripted and created by these two absolute talents. Um, They're in and ben something Ashenden. called the Pin. Is yeah, the there, pin. That's the yeah. name of their right. Their exactly. comedy duo. duo exactly. Yeah. They're yeah. brilliantly talented. They're making a film with uh, Jed Apatow. I know, and they appear in 1899. I mentioned this when we reviewed 1899. Ah. They appear in films, like they're in Jurassic Park Dominion yeah. together. They're in 1899 together. And I, I, I really want to meet, talk to them. I met them actually at the South Bank Show years yeah. ago. Because how do they get cast together in these roles that oh, aren't really brilliant. duos? It's so interesting. Yeah, we actually had them as uh, in our introducing oh, slot a few years ago and we had to give them a bigger space because they're just, they're just they're wonderful. Yeah. yeah. They're really great. So there you go. James probably zoned out completely from oh, that because yeah. it was about comedy. <laughs> but uh, there we go. This JFK murder, murder minute by minute on Paramount Plus on oh Tuesday, my God. which is yeah, I know. But it, it dissects the murder of JFK across, like as it says in the title, minute by minute. I'm kind of fascinated by that thing. But yeah, the ultimate true crime, maybe. Indeed. That's right. It, What's our pick of the week? I'll say Wednesday. Maybe it's Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's Wednesday. Mine is resoundingly echo friendly. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, that is it for us this week. Uh, inflation is up to 11%, so I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask for your six-star ratings on Apple Podcasts <laughs> this week. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and, let's be honest, amongst the wreckage on Twitter, at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Beth K. Webb. Plus, of course, Pilot TV Pod. On next week's show, Willow will be out, but we still won't be able to talk about it, as it's embargoed till midweek. But that is all right, because... Also out is Slow Horses. In fact, our second helping of Slow Horses this year as a special early Christmas present. And not only will we be talking about that, but stars Gary Oldman and Saskia Reeves will be on the show to tell us all about it, which is very, very exciting indeed. I am off now to go and, uh, let's be honest, give Jeff Bezos a call. Uh, mm. See if I can throw some of that neighbor's cash at Netflix to pick up <laughs> the OA. Hope springs eternal. Pilot out.